Greetings and welcome to the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is a long-form podcast where I sit down with guests and we just have a conversation. Now, these conversations are not scripted. They are raw and real. There's no editing. So wherever they go, they go. So hopefully you guys will enjoy the conversations as much as I know that I will. Today's episode is brought to you by nobody. Because let's be honest, nobody likes to hear ads. We all just put up with it because we think we have to. Well, you know what? I decided let's not do that for the time being and see how we get along. So let's get into what we all came here for, the actual episode. All right, folks, today we have a very different and, well, I guess not different, but it's a deep and emotional episode for you. I wanted to specifically talk about the depression that I've had in my life. And I, like I've said before here on the podcast, you know, I'm not a big proponent of the D word. I just kind of see it as being in a funk or what have you, because I, I look at pro- people with real problems as having real depressions and and obviously the problems that I have being very privileged and and living the life that I have lived uh, is being very mild, um, extremely mild compared to a lot of the things that people have actually had to deal with in not today's society or even past society for sure. But nonetheless, for me, it still is depression for me. And I've been wrestling with opening up and sharing what I've dealt with for a couple of months now. And I decided that now is the time. Things feel right. And I asked uh, Mr. Ethan Franz to come on and explain. explore this uh, topic with me uh, he's a person I feel very safe talking to and he honestly recently reached out to me as I was having kind of a rough day and and he had mentioned hey last few times I've seen you you've seemed pretty down is everything okay and it opened up an interesting dialogue between the two of us and you know what I asked him if he wanted to do this podcast and he was absolutely in so we uh, sat down and we went after it and it was definitely a good episode this one's a long one so bear with it because <laughs> there's, there's a lot of stuff to cover and we obviously didn't just talk about that we went on a bunch of tangents and rabbit holes like we always do on the podcast but there's definitely some some more openness from me about the things that i've been dealing with uh, in the past and specifically the past couple of years have been pretty rough and and i've been doing my best to get through them and i think i'm getting through them pretty well so Uh, I was definitely good enough to be able to talk about it, and hopefully what we've shared today will help someone who might be dealing with some tough times as well. Oh, and a quick sneak peek. I forgot to mention a couple of things that I wanted to cover, so stay tuned to the very end, and I'm going to record that in part of the outro. Please, without any further ado, sit back, strap in, and enjoy our conversation. Greetings and welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. I'm here with my brother, Mr. Ethan Franz. What up, gangsters? How you doing, sir? Oh, I'm great, buddy. Thank you for being here. I appreciate this. Yeah. This is uh, going to be a little bit of a deeper dive than we normally have on the show. Uh, I'm going to talk about my uh, dealings with depression over the last few years. And we've kind of been alluding to this, especially, yeah. honestly, Ethan, when you've been on the show the last couple of times, because you've been the, a big uh, proponent of kind of always talking things out and not leaving any bullshit in the shop and doing all that kind of stuff like you always talk about. And there's been a, I think there was something a few, what, probably two months ago now or so where you're like, Hey, is everything okay? Cause you've not yeah. seemed like yourself the last few times that I've seen you and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, I appreciate you checking up on me. I really yeah. do appreciate that. But I thought you'd be a great person to have this conversation with. Uh, I also invited, uh, my other brother, 
uh, Andrew Hoffman along with us, but unfortunately he had some things going on today and couldn't join us. You loser, Andrew. <laughs> Trust me. He wanted to be yeah. here, but his wife is off doing something, so he's babysitting the kids. So. Yeah, sometimes. Hey, daddy, daddy exactly. duties. Like, you, you got to do stuff, and then he's going to be over here uh, next weekend, and we're going to yeah. talk about another fun topic that I've been really excited to talk about. Because, uh, again, I'm just – I'm over all this coronavirus bullshit yep. and the negativity and the BS. Like, I want to start talking about things that I want to talk about. Uh, but so we're going to get into some of that today. Uh, it's going to be a little rough. Uh, hopefully I can get through it without making a blubbering mess of myself, but we'll find out. And, uh, it, sh- it should be a good time. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, again, I appreciate you being here. Uh, I think it's time, you know, cause like I've been, yeah. st- I've been struggling with this for months of, do I talk about it? Do I not talk about it? Mm-hmm. I, I try to be very open on this podcast and be very forthcoming of myself. So people realize that I'm being real and it's, it's me. I'm not playing a part or anything else, but there are certain things that are private, and I try to keep those private things in my private life away from just spilling it out for everyone. Mm-hmm. But I think this is something that we can talk about in generalities without too much specifics that hopefully will help other people who might be dealing with the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, and that's like I, you know, obviously we have discussed privately off the air, you know, um, you know, like I said, that day I approached, you know, you, you just different shade of color, my man. And, uh, I caught it and, um, I remember feeling those feelings and I remember, I, I knew the look on your face. I knew what it was. And so I was like, you know, I should probably just ask how he's doing. (laughs) And uh, that's the mark of a true friend. I I really do believe that. So, you know, that, that was basically what that was about, man. I just didn't, uh, in my opinion, as a person, you know, and in my idea, again, just an opinion, my idea as a man, especially when I have another uh, man uh, who is a friend of mine, um, I I feel like it's very hard for us to open up and talk about some of those deeper feelings. Um, not that we can't or don't understand or, or feel them. I think it's just so difficult for men to articulate that um, because for the most part of our lives, I mean, we... We have three base emotions, happy, sad, angry, and that's it. Like, as a man, you can generally associate almost everything in your life to one of those three emotions. It seems too simple, but when you think about it, it, it kind of seems about right. You know, I mean, yeah, there are subsets of each one of, of those course. emotions. Of course, But on a very broad surface, yeah. Y- yeah like, I mean, they might be subcategories of those, yeah, but absolutely. They're, they're all still boiled down to those. Happy, sad angry Interesting. and um so i think it's a lot more difficult for us to open up about that just based on the way that we are viewed in a societal uh aspect as well as you know just a masculine uh definition of of uh man you know i mean men are made to suffer um uh, life is suffering um so I think that part of that is, yeah, you know, we we see, but we're, you have enough foresight to see that other people around you are suffering. And so you think to yourself, okay, well, my life can't be that bad, right? And so we have a tendency to repress those feelings, but that's the difference is that you, you are hurting, you yeah. are sad. Just you because are, other people may be suffering more and like. Like us, like we're we're born in in my opinion, the greatest country Absolutely. in the world's history, in the best time to ever be alive. It's like, what do I have to complain about? But it's just 
sometimes you get sad and yeah. and it's it's okay. Like I, I've always I've always struggled with the D word with depression. Yeah. Because it's like I I see what other people really deal with and mm-hmm. it's like my life is Gucci compared to what yeah. they got going on. Mm-hmm. Like I've got no right to say that yeah. I'm depressed when they're dealing with all this mm-hmm. bullshit. Like my privileged life. Get the fuck out of here. But for me, it's still a depressed state. It really is. Absolutely. And I have to like you you were kind of the one that helped me kind of see that in a different light of mm-hmm. like, okay, you know what? Just because I've got it way better than most people in world's history doesn't mean that I can't be depressed from time to time as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because I need to strive to be a, a better version of myself, obviously, and be a happier person in and of myself, which mm-hmm. is what I've been struggling with recently. But before we get too far down <laughs> that yeah. rabbit hole, uh, for people who don't know, Ethan <clears throat> is one of the owners of Instruments of Freedom here in Worcester, Ohio. Uh, why don't you give them a little bit of a background about what you guys do, maybe anything you guys got coming up. So, uh, yeah, I am part owner of Instruments of Freedom uh, in Worcester, Ohio. We are a self-defense uh, education and training facility. Our basic goal is to uh, educate and train on all things self-defense. Um, and, that, and that applies across the board, uh, handguns, rifles, shotguns, uh, precision-based rifles, medical uh, hand-to-hand. Really, the only thing I can't offer is, like, knife fighting, bladed weapon training. Um, I, I just don't have anybody who's certified to teach that type of information, so obviously I'm not going to offer it if I don't have some kind of method of being able to back it up. Hey, that doesn't stop other people from doing it. <laughs> uh, that's that's true. That's very, very true. Um, I've seen it. I've experienced it. But in the same breath, I like to let my work speak for itself, and if I do not feel... Um, competent competent yes that uh it's best that i'll leave it to another professional fair enough um because most people i've met in my life that i've respected the most are the people who generally can tell me all honesty hey man i don't know the answer to this question uh either talk to this guy or i'll find you the answer yeah you know so uh kind of circling back that's created this environment for us where we try to do the best that we can to educate and train people on the things that we are competent in our ability to educate and train. Um, as far as what's coming up, so, uh, and this is another subject now that we could create a episode about. Uh, Ohio just passed the uh, quote-unquote constitutional carry. Yes, it was just passed, but it's not in law. It's not in law yet. Yeah, it has it's not been legal signed. Yet. It is not legal until June 12th. It's either June 12th or June 15th. I don't know the exact date. Um, But uh, beyond that point, you would then be lawfully allowed to carry in the state of Ohio. Yeah, which uh, me personally, I'm against it. I don't like the idea of it. I think people should have good training. I think there should be higher standards of training. But we'll we'll get into that in another episode. That's not the time or place for today. So, well, I'll tell you what. I I don't want to hijack the episode too much here because, uh, to me, this – this idea, yes, it's kind of connected to who we are as people, but not necessarily what we do as people. So uh, for those of you that are interested, if you want to, you can simply check out our website, uh, ioftwtg.com. Uh, you can check us out on social media. My Instagram is just at instruments underscore of underscore freedom. Uh, and then Facebook is just instruments of freedom. Uh, there's links to our websites there. Um, yeah, check us out. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to call us, email us, send us a fucking smoke signal, whatever. We'll yeah. be we'll be more than happy. You know, I was on the phone for almost an hour the other day with a guy from Pennsylvania. So, you know, if that shows people how dedicated I am to trying to do the best I can for them, like I said, I yeah. like to let my work speak. And if for you guys itself, are so. in the area, get some training. And if not, give them a call and maybe they'll 
come out if you guys got enough people to bring them out yeah, and do absolutely. some remote training. Or maybe if it's just you, then they can kind of point in the direction yeah. of somebody who doesn't look like bullshit. Yeah. Because if you don't yeah. know, you don't know. But if you're yeah. in that world, you know real quick when somebody's full of shit. Yeah. So I guess I guess just to kind of caveat real quick to give the people what they're looking for. Uh, very recently, the most recent thing I've been doing is I've been revamping our medical courses, uh, which we're going to kind of teach a lot differently this year uh, versus previous years. Um, before, it was a total of a two-day, 16-hour class, eight-hour days, two in a row. Uh, this time, we're going to break it down into one single eight-hour day for the first class, and then about every class after that should be a four, maybe six-hour class after that. Um, so that's kind of one of the, my big things. I've um, been doing a lot with church security. I've got a church. I don't want to say the name of the church um, just to protect their uh, identity, I guess, if you will, their their op security, uh, you know, because I'm Navy SEAL and stuff. Not really. Just, <laughs> just kidding. Um, so uh, I've been working with them very closely, and that's, that's very close to uh, getting started, you know, them actually starting. Okay, yep, we're going to start training now. So... Uh, that's kind of what I got going on. The amount of uh, gunsmithing projects that have come across my bench in the past two, two and a half, three weeks, uh, I just can't keep up, man. I wish there was two of me. Um, <laughs> but then again, there would be twice as much pain in the ass, so one's probably enough. Yeah, one's probably enough. <laughs> so I'll just, uh, you know, just have to take my time. You know, they well, say it's like anything else. Like, it's it's always going to come in waves. Yeah, absolutely. You have slow times and busy times. Right now, it's like, hey. I've got a bunch of other stuff going on, so I'll get to it when yep. I get to it. And it's it's going to be this long. Yeah. Well, and you know the old saying, you know, Rome wasn't built in the night, so or no, built in the day. Wasn't you know? destroyed in the day either. So well, it, it all takes time. So, but uh, ultimately, that's that's what's new in my world as far as the professionally. Um, personally, I'm doing pretty good. I'm about as happy as a pig in slop. Um, I really have very few complaints as of recently. Um, so, uh, that's, that's pretty much all about me, but again, you know, I want to talk about, uh, let, let's let you talk about your stuff, man, because I, I'm very interested well, in like, this. I'm not exactly sure where to start with this because obviously I've dealt with a handful of different bouts of depression mm-hmm. through my life. Although my life has been incredibly easy compared to most people, right? Right. It's, it is what it is. Like. Uh, had a had a great family growing up. Like I lived in a household we we were always loved. We never wanted for well, we would guess we wanted for things, but we never needed anything. We always yeah. had extra. We always had, you know, like money for sports and yeah, shoes never for basketball. Went without food or clothes. Or never, like, never mm-hmm. anything like that. You know, so it's like life was always great. And then I guess my first real bout with depression kind of happened in my early twenties because mm-hmm. I got I got married at nineteen years old. Um, just before I turned 20, I think. And, um, like it was, we, we had, we have daughter and it was like, okay, let's do the right thing. Let's get married. Mm-hmm. Neither one of us really were excited about it. We, both of us looking back are probably like, no, we never should have done that. Mm-hmm. And we, we kind of had opportunities to kind of run, uh, even up to like the day of the wedding. Yeah. I, I know it's like my ex-wife was outside with my, my now ex-father-in-law who to me is still family. I love that man. I just call him my father. He's, yeah. he's, he is part of my family. I don't care that he's not blood. I, I do not give a shit. I love that man. And he was out there with her and he's like, you know what? Car's right out there. We can leave right now. It's mm-hmm. okay. And I was kind of thinking the same thing back in the, the dressing room with my dad. Yeah. I was white as a ghost and I wasn't feeling great about it. You know, I was scared. I mean, we were young, dumb yeah. kids. We didn't know any better. 
Uh, but we got married anyway, and it was a shit show to say the least. And we just, we were horrible for each other. We completely grew apart. And I was off at school and she was working and taking care of our daughter. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it was, it was a, it was a tough part of our lives, you know? And, and unfortunately things obviously didn't work out very yeah. well. And we ended up getting divorced. I think it was, I think we were technically married for like two or two and a half years, but mm-hmm. I think I left after about a year, maybe a year and a half. It wasn't all that long. And I was like, you know what, this, this is no bueno. Like we need yeah. to, we need to get away from each other because we're not good for each other. It was just, it was bad news. But again, we were young and dumb. We didn't know any better. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that that was my, my first bout of depression, but I wish I could think more clearly about how I really felt about that because I know my mom was really worried about me mm-hmm. and I, I had to, I had to move back in with my parents because now I'm, you know, I'm divorced. I'm just got out of school. I don't have a good job yet. I'm like, I'm paying child support. We're doing all this kind of stuff. And it was, it was tough times for me. So it was like, I was living with them, trying to save up money and do all that kind of stuff. And and I know that she, she had mentioned not specifically to me, but I've heard her talk about it to other people is that she was worried that I was suicidal. And I don't ever remember being that bad, but I do remember it's like I turned 21 not too long after we got divorced or after I left or whatever it was. It was right mm-hmm. around that time frame. And um, and I was just – I was always at the bar. Yeah. Like that's that's what I would do. Like I would get off of work yep. and I would go to the bar and I would hang out there with my friends. It would be nothing to drop 70, 80, 90 bucks on drinks and I'm a big guy and I could hold my liquor. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm not feeling anything until about five, six, seven yeah. deep, you know, and then I'm driving home and yep. doing all this kind of shit and it's like – that was that. That was a rough time for me. And again, I, I wish I could think more clearly about how it was back then, because I just don't remember. But I, I, I do remember distinctly once standing in front of a mirror with a kitchen knife in my hand. I, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what was going on. I remember holding it up to my neck, but I never really like thought I was going to kill myself or end everything. I don't. I say again, I remember being too calm. I never, I never thinking like, oh God, I just it'd be so much better if I was gone or it's going to be so much easier without me here or any of that kind of shit. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember any of that. I don't, but I do remember standing there. I remember seeing that visually, but I know it was not too long after that where I had to have a real talk with myself. It was like, mm-hmm. you know what? This life is precious. We get to live it once. I'm not one of those guys who believe in reincarnation. Yeah. We get to come back over and over and over again. And it's like, you know what? There's nothing in this world. That is worth me taking my own life and being a coward and putting all that stress on my family. Mm-hmm. Think of what that would have done to my mother mm-hmm. coming home and finding me like bled yeah. out on the fucking floor. Like how selfish is that? Jesus. But again, I don't ever remember being like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do it this time or whatever. Yeah. No, I just I just remember standing there with the knife and I was like, okay, we need to fucking rethink some things here. Well, I think part of that is because... I don't know if I've ever uh, described my uh, moment of weakness where I considered committing suicide uh, twice in my life. Uh, I sat on the end of my bed with a loaded handgun uh, two days in a row uh, and contemplated on shooting myself uh, very heavily. Um, but again, I don't. I don't. It's not like I came home and I said, "Oh, I'm gonna fucking do it today," you know. But you hear of people where they're like. They're, they're in such a dark place where they think the world will be so much better without them. Absolutely. You hear that yeah. all the time. Like, it would just be so much easier on everyone around me if I wasn't here. But it's a lie. And they know it's well, a lie. 
Except for, like, they realize that later if they don't kill themselves, mm-hmm. but... Well, so here's the thing, though, too, is I believe that from my experience, because I do have some close understanding of suicide, and the reason why I say that is because after my mom passed away very, very shortly, within six weeks, I had an uncle, which would be my dad's brother, commit suicide, and then about four weeks after that, six weeks after that, if that, his son, my cousin, committed suicide. And uh, neither one of those gentlemen had ever made comments like that. Oh, this world would be so much better off without me. So you didn't really know how bad they were struggling. Kind of, kind of. I mean, obviously you can look at people, and I feel like you can have a pretty good judge of their their vibe, Energy, you know, yeah. you can be like, okay, like I said, you know, you looked a different shade of color to me that day, so it was probably a good idea that I asked you. Um, my cousin, I remember seeing him several days before he killed himself, and um, his vibe was yeah, off. his energy was you off. You know, and obviously he was disheartened and distraught by the idea of the loss of his father, um, which in turn made us us closer because we were both experiencing the same thing at the same time. Maybe not the same manner of death, but his dad still had just the died. Lost of a loss of a very close love. My mother had just died, so we clung to each other very closely. And there are days where I miss him dearly, um, my cousin Joe. And there are many days where I am very angry with him for leaving me here by myself. Yeah. In my mind, to deal with that. Um, I wish I wish I could talk to him. I wish I could ask him what he was really what thinking. What he was thinking, what was going on. Yeah. Because he was very committed to his suicide. And the reason why I say that was because he was over six foot tall, six foot two, six foot three. He was a big man. And he hung himself in a basement that was about five eight. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's he, fucking He literally t- tied up an extension cord to this floor joist. You know, the ceiling was exposed in the basement. And he tied a extension cord to it, and he tied the extension cord around his neck, and he just picked his feet up off the ground. I mean, Jesus Christ, man. You got to be fucking... I mean, he was serious. Yeah, you got to really want to go. He meant that. not just like, oh, you know what? I think I'm good. Because you hear that a lot of times where... Who are the people who like jump off? What's the big up bridge out in uh, San Diego? Oh, uh, the Golden, Golden Gate, Gate Bridge. People like jump off it all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's been a handful that survived. Yeah, and they're and like, oh, all, God, as soon as I jumped, I regretted and it. every single one of them that survived regretted it instantly. Yeah. And they're like, fuck, like, I don't want to do this. I want to live. It was actually interesting, speaking of hanging yourself with a fucking extension cord. Um, oh, let me look this up real quick so I can make sure I got the right person. I believe his name is Alan Richmond. Uh, uh, I think I know who you're talking about. He's a he's an actor. Yep, Alan Richmond. Uh, he plays the new uh, Reacher on uh, the Amazon series, uh, mm-hmm. Jack Reacher. I know him as uh, Arthur Curry from Smallville, of course, <laughs> handsome bastard. And uh, and he had talked about this on Inside of You, um, on Michael Rosenbaum's podcast. Mm-hmm. And I found that recently because they there was a the 20th anniversary of the Smallville show, which is my favorite TV mm-hmm. show in the world. I fucking love that show. Yeah. I'm in season five right now. I started watching it again <laughs> a few weeks ago, which is bad because I'm like murking through seasons. I'm just, I love that show so much. 
That's and, comfort uh, food for the soul. It, it really is. It makes me feel good. And I, I get so excited and I get happy when I watch that yeah, show. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's interesting. Because, again, I actually found that show just after I'd gotten divorced. So that was mm. like a show that helped me kind of get through my first big yeah. bout of depression. But I still I hold on to that show and I love that show. But uh, he talked about how he was uh, – he's actually been diagnosed now as bipolar. Mm-hmm. So he had struggled. I guess it's pretty common in actors because they can kind of get inside their own heads and they kind of worry about yeah. this. And, and he's on medication now, so he's doing much better. But before he had found out that he was bipolar, he was in a real deep uh, space and wasn't mm-hmm. thinking of uh, himself because he wasn't himself. He was literally someone else at yeah. that moment. And he said he strung up an extension cord up in the rafters of his attic that he had finished out as like a movie set so they could make movies and stuff at home and mm-hmm. do that sort of stuff to shoot scenes or do whatever. And he said that he hung himself. And he was, as he was hanging there, literally hanging there, uh, he had a vision of his young children as adults. Said, hey, I really wish you wouldn't do this. Something to that effect. Yeah. Just had this clear vision in his head. And he decided, like, that's it. Okay, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to live. And he, he's a big, strong, yeah. athletic dude. He was actually able to, like, pull himself up so we can get a hold of the rafters, like, through that, uh, that, that rope that he was fucking hanging from yeah it was like he's like thank god i worked out because if not i wouldn't be here mm-hmm. you know it's like all this kind of stuff and and he talked about it so openly i was like wow it's like i can't i can't imagine someone in that part of their life like with everything going for mm-hmm. him and all these tv shows and movies and this and that and it's like no i was just i was depressed like was it uh jim <clears throat> carrey who had said like i wish everyone could get like fame and fortune and realize it's not what's going to make yeah. them happy Mm-hmm. You know, because again, like he, granted he's bipolar, so it wasn't like he was just super depressed yeah. in and of himself, but he was literally mm-hmm. like the chemicals are wrong in his yeah. fucking brain. Yeah. There's an you imbalance. But it was just, it was so powerful to hear him talk about it where most people would hold that shit inside. Like, oh, I'm not going to tell anybody because like, oh, someone's going to use that against me or no, I'm, I'm, people I'm, will, I think again, in a masculine way, that would be viewed as weakness. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So, in a way, it is. That is a weakness. Now, albeit he was able to overcome that weakness, ultimately, um, but that in and of itself. Now, again, I'm not saying that to, if anybody out there is listening and they're in that bad place, don't think that I'm saying you're weak by experiencing that. What no, I am it's, saying it's is that it's a moment of weakness that you It having. is a moment of weakness that you're having. Yes. And so, it's... It's very easy to be down on yourself. It's very easy to create a negative outlook of yourself because you are literally trapping yourself in your own prison. Not to mention, I think it's easier now than ever in world's history because there's social media. Yeah. And what do people do on social media? Oh, they flex and brag they, about all they the They post good about stuff. all the amazing things, even if they're not even true. Yes. These amazing things that they're living their greatest life and all this bullshit. And like they're not being real. Because if you saw them 24 hours a day, you'd realize that was two minutes of their whole day. The rest of it, they were fucking miserable. So uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson, I love, and love I know you and JP. I have to, Yes, love okay. JP. I love listening to him. I love reading his stuff. So- you know, he, he, I just saw something two or three days ago and he said, you know, you're driving down the interstate and, you know, this car goes just screaming by you and you look over and you realize it's, it's some guy in a Porsche, 
you know, and you're in your fucking piece of shit Toyota and you're driving, you know, fuck that guy, you know, I wish that could be me. And he goes, what you don't realize is that guy in that Porsche is considering wrapping that Porsche around the next concrete barrier that he goes by. Yeah, because he's miserable. Because he's fucking miserable. You know, you can't, it's very easy to see things from the outside looking or from yeah, the and, inside looking out. And we you know always I mean? take our own worst parts, the worst Absolutely. parts of ourselves, and we compare them to the best parts that we see of everyone, of else. everyone else. We don't actually compare them to the real person. Yeah. Because most people aren't real. You know, most people, like there's there's a handful of friends that I have that are close enough to me that I can confide in them with anything. I'll tell them mm -hmm. anything that I'm thinking. But there are certain things that I've never told anyone. Like I've never told anybody that I held a knife to my throat. Like when I was when I was younger, I've yeah. never told anybody that. Because I've always been so afraid to share that, but it's again, it's it's something that I went through. I wish I I wish I knew more clearly what I was thinking and what was going on in my head. But it's like, why can't I talk about these things? I mean, some people are like, oh, you got to be careful. You're gonna put, like, I mean, somebody I was talking to a good friend of mine. He's I was talking about doing this episode. Like, well, just be really careful. You don't want to put that out there on the internet for everyone to hear forever. Why? But it's like, I'm hoping that it'll resonate with someone, one person, one person. That it'll help them through maybe a tough time in the life that they're having. That that is, that is my whole goal of the show to maybe help one person. But that's the whole point I'm making is yes. that by simply sharing that idea, yes, you know, because because in the knife, you know, thing, I think that part of the reason why you did it the way you did, and you can't remember the clarity of the situation, is because what you were attempting to do was show yourself a physical representation of what you are considering in your mind. Okay. For example, okay. me sitting on the bed with my hand with, Yeah, in with my the hand. pistol in your hand, yeah. That it was me debating yeah. internally. Is this really what I want to do? Is this the choice I'm about to make? It's no different. I mean, it is different, but it's no different than standing in a grocery store and you got this brand of cereal and you got this one. You're standing there and you just hold one in each hand and you look at it. You're like, hmm. I want the Golden Grams yeah, or the which, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Yeah, the Honey Schmack. You know, it. which one am I going to get? <laughs> but you will literally stand there and physically hold each box until you've made a decision, and then you set the one you don't want down. That's you physically trying to represent that idea, that object, that motion, that feeling. And not to mention, feeling. humans are such visual creatures. Boom. So, by doing that, basically what you were doing was creating a paradox in your own mind of this choice is available, this choice is available, this choice is available. And what you're doing is visually representing this choice to yourself by standing in front of the mirror yes. doing this. Like, like I said, you know, two days in a row, I came home from work, set my lunchbox down. I didn't even take my boots off. Walked right back into the bedroom, pulled my handgun out. It was loaded, obviously, because... You know, it's not good. Not, yeah, not much no. good to you if it's not. <laughs> so, but that's beside the point. So I'm sitting there and I've got, you know, the gun in my hand and I'm sitting on the end of the bed and I'm just kind of looking at it, staring at it, debating, you know, okay, if I do this, if I shoot myself, yeah, it's going to make a mess in here. And, you know, I thought to myself, okay, what happens after that? Well, obviously there's one person who's going to come here and find me and it's going to be my now wife, then girlfriend. Yes. The person who loves you most in the world. Yeah, can you imagine? You know, and then I thought, what if I came home and she had her brain splattered all over the fucking wall? Like, God, that would just destroy me. I would be. Yeah, could, could we have a conversation first, maybe? <laughs> like, yeah. just tell me that I'm struggling, help me. And, I don't know. And something. so I thought to myself, you know, 
okay, this is not okay. This is not okay. You can't do that to her. Yeah. You know, even if it, in my mind, I was justifying it by saying, I'm doing this for her. Yeah. Her life would be better if I wasn't here, which is what you hear a lot of people say. Uh, no, what I mean by that is, is I didn't do it because I didn't want to negatively impact her life by her finding me okay, okay. with the top of I my got head you. No, blown no, open. I got you. Yeah. So, you know, again, that I, I put the gun away and I, I went about my daily life. Hopefully you took your damn boots off. <laughs> fin- yeah, finally. After that. You know, um, but uh, so the next day rolled around. I had a shit day again. I came home and I did the same thing. And I really thought about it, you know, the second day. And I was like, okay, this is, this is it, man. You know, you, you've thought about this and this is a choice you want to make. And again, I thought to myself, what happens next? Yeah. I mean, not necessarily for me. I mean, no, I know what happens next for me. Yeah, Nothingness, you'll be, you'll be dark, dark, you know, whatever. Nothingness. What happens for everybody else? Yes. You know, what happens to my two brothers who look to me to provide them some kind of uh, support during the loss of our mother and, and my dad's alcohol addiction and his his struggling? What would it do to my father? What would it do yeah, to... Yeah, would it push him over the edge if he's already struggling? You know, and uh, what would my friends say? You know, how many of my friends would say that, I, you know, he's a coward for doing that? Um, which, again, I kind of go back and forth on that. I think, yes, by committing suicide, you are giving in, and the things that you think in your mind are beating you are, they win, uh, because you just lost the game. Yeah. What, what is it that people always say? You know, it's a it's a permanent solution for a, a temporary, temporary problem. problem. You know, it's not, but, but, but it, it does make sense when you really think about it. But like here's that. the other side of that. You got to have some fucking balls to pull that trigger. Yes. You got to have one huge set of nuts. To make that choice. Absolutely. You know, and so I go back and forth with that idea because, again, I think it all depends. Perspective is everything. I believe that there are times where suicide is acceptable, in my opinion. For example, if I was ever dosed, diagnosed with some kind of terminally ill disease, yes, the last thing I want to do is fade away into nothingness I, while my family watches me in quiet suffering. I truly wish that they would legalize assisted suicide for people who wanted to make that decision if they were terminally ill or what I have you. I believe there are certain states in the United States there that are. do allow it. There are a couple of states. I believe it's legal in, in Canada now as well. <laughs> So worst case scenario, you could move there and do it there. And was yeah. it, there's a, a comedian, Jim Jeffries, he talks about like, if I was going to commit suicide, like I definitely want a Canadian doctor. Like, alrighty then, like we're going to put this needle <laughs> in you. You're going to feel so great. And then you're just going to close your eyes. And that's, that's all, that's all she wrote. Like they're so nice. Mm. It's, that's what, that's what you'd want, you know? So again, you know, <laughs> I, I do believe in certain types of, uh, I, here's the thing. It's. Life is precious, and Absolutely. to me, it's worth living. And that's a decision mm-hmm. that I came to earlier in my life, obviously, probably after this moment. Um, it's like, no matter what it is, there's nothing bad enough to make me want to kill myself. But yes. having said that, is that when you're coming towards the end of it, I believe that there is a right for you to go out with dignity and yes. not be in and out of the hospital and having problems with chemo or doing whatever. If you know it's going to end. Like, set your affairs in orders, tell mm-hmm. the people who you love that you love them, and pass away, like, in, in your own mind and, and peacefully and however you want to do it. I believe that you should have that right. Because here's the thing. It's like, 
you know, people talk about this with abortion, like, oh, every life is precious. I'm like, yeah, but they have the right to do with it what they want. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't tell them that they can't do that with their own life if they want to do that. That That's not okay. And I agree. You know, I agree. Um, to, uh, to that degree, you know, yeah, I believe in that, that side of leaving this mortal coil with dignity and by our own choice, you know, um, the idea of going out on your own terms, basically, yes. you know, um, I thought I find that idea very, uh, dignified. I find it very, uh, respectful, um, and very courageous to the correct degree. Yes. Now, again, out of anger, sadness, depression, uh, choices, again, I do believe that that's a, a permanent solution to a temporary problem. You know, I've had friends, family, uh, a handful of people I've known over the years who have either killed themselves or, uh, you know, died by accident, overdosing. And, you know, but, but again, a lot of those guys, I mean, they know. They know that if they keep using this substance, it's yeah. going to kill them. You know, that, that in and of itself is suicide. It, it just takes a hell of a lot longer yeah. than hanging, hanging yourself. Yeah. Um, it's not as uh, abrupt and direct. Yeah. So, um, again, you know, that, that's a very tricky subject. And, and yeah, because people will interpret it different ways. Each, each person is entitled to their own opinion regarding it. Um, but again, you know, I, so one thing I've been perf, uh, personally not necessarily just studying, but trying to apply more to my own life is the idea of stoicism. I've been looking at that a lot recently as well. And I believe Seneca, who is a pretty famous, uh, stoic philosopher, uh, is quoted by saying, you know, all of your, you suffer in your own mind more than you do in your, the real world. So, uh, you know, you, you create suffering in your mind more than you actually suffer in a real life situation, you know? Um, so the idea is that basically all of our bad luck, uh, curses, hexes, uh, you know, all that stuff. That's all self-imposed. Yes. That's all self-imposed. You know, every time uh, something bad happens to me, I'll think to myself, God damn it, you know, I fucking, you know, I must just have bad luck. Like, well, there's, that's that's not true. It's just the, it's just the nature of the beast. It's just the way the cards fell and, and it just is what it is, you know good, bad, or indifferent, that's just the way it goes. And, and not, not to mention the human condition, we all worry about things that haven't even happened absolutely. yet. Absolutely. Like, you were like, what about this? And this could happen, and that could happen. Oh, my goodness. And I forget, like, the famous quote of somebody who had said, you know, like, there's been some horrific things that have happened my, in, my, in my life, some of which actually happened. Yeah. But most of it was imposed by his own mind and absolutely. his own negative thinking. But that's that's the human condition. That's like you know the Simpsons. There's a quote. Homer Simpson is telling Bart, he goes, <laughs> there's, you know, Bart's there's like, some wisdom right the, there. This is the worst day I've ever had in my life. And then Homer kind of jumps in. He's like, so far, you know, that's the worst day you've had so far. You know, it could be worse. Um, but again, the idea is just. And but also, without that, the struggles, that there are no victories, you know, and like you got to have the downs to appreciate the ups, you know. And Well, and that, that brings up a pretty good topic of discussion in my household. Um, Courtney and I, my wife, will debate, uh, not not heavily, but. Uh, I kind of do it to poke the bear a little bit too, but you know, I'll, I have said to her in previous years, you have to have bad to have good. It is yang and the yang. You have the good, you have the bad, and then you have the bad and the good, and then you have the good and the bad. That's yin and yang. That that's equal balance. 
So there has to be bad in order to be good. There has to be good in order to be bad. Uh, they cannot simply exist one without the other. You know, and she'll always say to me, you know, well, you don't, there doesn't need to be bad people in the world for there to be good people. And I'm like, okay, I understand the point you're making. Like, if no serial killer ever existed, then, yeah, you know, obviously. But, but again, that's the whole point. You know, if we didn't have serial killers, we wouldn't have uh, basically created this, <coughs> excuse me, have created this idea that we need to avenge and have justice for the people who've been wronged, right? I don't know, because again, the human condition, <coughs> it's like you always want more and more and more. And it's, if and if things aren't put into balance and in check, you know, people will run away with power and greed and money and those kind of things. I mean, not everyone, but as a whole, humans tend to do that. Um, so... Again, that, that leads me to the idea that uh, there has to be good with bad. There has to be bad with good. It has to exist. They have to coexist. They have to. It's like the light in the dark. There is no such thing as dark. There is simply the absence of light. Yes. We refer to it as dark, but in all actuality, dark always exists. The difference is, is that sometimes we have the light. Dark will always exist regardless. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. I got a catch in my throat. Shit happens. But uh so again, the idea you you have to have good with bad. And I think that and and I think we've all kind of realized that some of the most damaged, you know, I'm air quoting here, some of the most damaged people that we know are some of the most interesting and, and strong people. Strong, giving, uh generous people. He's coughing like crazy, folks. Hold on. <laughs> but I mean, I, I understand exactly what you're talking about because, was, I mean, Joe Rogan talks about this on the podcast all the time. He's like, that's what makes a great comedian is somebody who's had like a really fucked up life because they've got interesting stories to tell and things to talk about, which which obviously is is different than most of us grew up because most of us are regular and normal and all this kind of bullshit, right? But it's... It's obviously not it's, – it's the dichotomy of like just, just because you've got a fucked up life doesn't mean that you're going to come out the end being a great person and giving and all those kind of other things. It can turn some people cynical and cause more issues and stuff down the road as well. But most people I think kind of pull through that and, and make things a little bit more interesting and positive hopefully kind of turn those kind of things around. You good, sir? Yeah. Um, so uh- – Yes, and and the comedian thing. There's a, a comedian that I like to watch, uh, Christopher Titus. Yeah, he's funny. Yeah, and in one of his stand-up uh, specials, he talks about how damaged people are better than people who have never never experienced been through adversity. Anything. You know, it's, I mean, honestly, you look at these kids now. They're like what they call the quote-unquote helicopter parent. Mm-hmm. Who's going to come in and shelter them from having any kind of struggle in their life? And everyone's going to get a participation trophy. And we're not going to even do grades anymore. Everyone's just passing. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah, participation trophy. They've never had actual struggle and adversity in their real lives. And when they get out in the real world after college and all this stuff, they're going to get their dicks kicked in or get kicked in the oh, teeth. Yeah. And they're going to realize, oh, the world doesn't care about me. Maybe I need to have some adversity in my life to, to struggle and grow. But but that's the problem is that for those 20 years that they've been alive, everybody has catered to their needs and wants. 
And so when they do get into the real world, all they do is throw a temper tantrum until they get what they want. Just like the kid in the grocery store who's on the ground kicking and screaming because his mom won't buy him the candy bar. You know, uh, and eventually after standing there for five minutes, you know, the mom gives in or the dad gives in and they, you know, say, okay, fine, I'll buy you the candy bar if you just quit doing this, right? One, my mom would have whipped my ass yes, for doing that. But it was also socially acceptable. Well, but again, that's part of it. We're creating a bubble-wrapped society. You know, I know I've said before in previous episodes that my mother used to always say to me as a kid, you are the most important thing in the world, and I love you more than anything. Um, you know, you know, she's, you know, mother saying to her children, you know, you're our, my pride and joy. You're the most important thing in the world to me. The rest of the world does not give a shit about you. Yes, and that's an important lesson that kids need to learn. She would say that to me at like eight years old and, young, you know, young. I was young, you know. And obviously she didn't, you know, like curse at me or whatever. Yeah, it, was, but, it wasn't hurtful. It was just, hey, this is how yeah. society really is. Yeah, you know, when you when you step out into the real world, you are alone, buddy. Yeah. The only person who's going to take care of you is you, you know. And I remember those lessons kind of making a full circle moment, so... When I was a junior in high school, I went to uh, a vocational school. Uh, I took carpentry and construction technologies. <clears throat> and uh, I remember uh, we went our, our junior year, and there were some issues with some certain things with the school. And so my senior year, they imposed a school uniform policy. Um, and they were very adamant about the policy. So each individual trade... Because there was like 30, 40 different trades at the school. If you didn't have a predetermined uniform. So like all the nursing kids. They all wore scrubs. Right? Uh, all the mechanics kids. They all had the Dickies button up shirt and Dickies uniform pants. Like you'd see in any mechanic shop now. Yeah. Um, so what we had to do was either. And they allowed us to take a vote. Either we were allowed to get beige. Like a tannish beige color button up shirt that said carpenter and construction. And then our name on the other side. Or we uh, were allowed to pick a single color polo to wear every day. My group of guys, we voted on the polo. That was the majority vote. So um, that's what we had to do. I had to wear a blue single color polo every day. And it couldn't even have the little polo horse logo guy on it. I mean, like Ralph Lauren, you know, I got the little... Couldn't even have that. It had to be plain, plain, plain. And so I remember a bunch of kids that I was in school with as a junior and now we're seniors and they are doing nothing but bitch and complain. What the fuck makes you think you can tell me what I can and can't wear? This is my blah, blah, blah. You know, you're taking away my rights and my freedoms. And I remember thinking to myself, well, when I graduate high school, I'm going to get a job. And when I get to that job, they're going to say, hey, you have a uniform that you yeah. need to wear. Every you have day. to wear this acceptable clothing to the office or shop or whatever. Yeah. This is what you have to wear. So I remember thinking to myself, this is just a predetermination of this. So obviously I'm I'll be thirty one this year. I remember playing sports in elementary school. Um that was in my idea when they started handing out the participation trophies. I remember getting one for T ball. And I, somewhere I still have it at my dad's house, just sitting on a shelf somewhere. Just, But that that little rinky-dink trophy or whatever, it never meant anything to me. Yeah, because you I didn't never, earn it. 
I never viewed that as like, oh, wow, look what I accomplished. You know, I looked at that thing and I almost felt ashamed because I thought to myself, well, fuck, we didn't win. You know, we didn't win the tournament or anything or, you know. So <clears throat> that idea, I, I believe, was starting to develop and manifest itself by the time I was in grade school. Um, and so all the kids who were bitching and complaining, you know, as I got older, all the kids who were bitching and complaining about having to wear a specific uniform or something, uh, those were the kids who were negatively affected by the idea of participation trophies. Because now they think their opinion fucking matters. And newsflash, it, it don't. Nobody cares. Nobody gives a shit. Your mother cares, but that's it. <clears throat> Nobody else cares. Point in case, right? I rest my case, Your Honor. So, <laughs> um, you know, that idea of uh, meaningfulness uh, or appreciation I think needs to be built through the idea of responsibility. Yes. Not simply through your presence, just because you exist. Like, turds fucking exist. That doesn't mean that they're great, right? No, they're kind of shitty. Just because you exist doesn't <laughs> mean you are great. No. You need to do great things to be great, period. Um, you know, so I believe that we have created a societal understanding that everyone needs to be accepted and that we need to work very hard not to offend. Now, that's okay when I am sitting across a table having a discussion with one person, right? So, uh, whatever, you don't like the word uh, uh, Brussels sprouts. I, I don't fucking know. That word offends you. You find that offensive. Okay, so, so yeah, that's somewhat acceptable because you and I are one-on-one. -on -one. But now what if that idea is applied to one in ten? Right now, I'm having a conversation with ten people. Now that's ten things that I can't, ten different things that I possibly can't discuss yeah, for the risk it might of offending. Affect one of the other ten people. Now, what if it's one in a hundred, or one in a thousand, or one in a million? So, at what point do we make a determination of I am allowed to offend one in ten? Am I allowed to offend one in a million? You know, where do we make that distinction or distinction? And I think the idea that we had the ability for abstract thinking automatically makes us offensive. In order to have uh, coherent thoughts, you need to risk being offensive. Yes. But I think that people just need to not be so offended by everything and calm the fuck down. So, like, if you don't like it, that's one thing, but you can't dictate what somebody else does or doesn't do. Period. To be, to be offended by something, you are making a conscious decision to let something that somebody else is doing bother you. Yes. Period. That's it. That's you it. are making a conscious decision to let that bother you. What's, what's that old adage? You know, what happens if somebody spits on you? What does it make you? What? Well, it makes me mad. It makes me angry. It makes me pissed off. Like, mm -hmm. no, it just makes you wet. Yep. Like, you get to choose how you react to that. Yep. So, so let's calm the fuck down, people. I'm sure we're all familiar with Kung Fu Panda, right? You ever seen Kung Fu Panda? I'm sure movie? I did once, but I... I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies to watch. I don't know why. I just find it very wholesome and very... Uh, that, that's kind of comforting, you know? Yeah. But the old turtle, his name's Master Oogway, and the one um, guy runs up to him, and he's like, hey, you know, so-and-so escaped prison. I, I, that's bad news. And the the old wise turtle simply looks at him, and he goes, there is no good news. There is no bad news. There is just simply news. Yeah. And yeah. What, what is it, was it something I always say? You know, it's like... The truth isn't negative or positive. 
It's just the truth. Yeah. Whether it offends you or you don't like to hear it or whatever, it doesn't change the fact mm-hmm. that it's still the truth. Yes. You know, you can react to it however you want to. I guess you can choose your own destiny, but mm-hmm. it's just the truth. Yep. So, um, again, I kind of hijacked that. So, no, no, this this is why the <clears throat> this is why these conversations are fun <laughs> because they lead off on other tangents, which hopefully tie in and help other people relate to what we're talking about. So. So you said you had been struggling, and especially your first time around with all this. That was the first time that definitely I had been through any kind of depression. And it's like, at some point, I made that decision of like, you know what? Life is Mm -hmm. precious, and there's nothing in this world that's going to make me want to take my own life out of sadness. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I do believe that if I was... I just had a friend recently pass away from stomach cancer. And like they got the diagnosis. The doctor's like, you got two days to live. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's no time to put your affairs in order. So luckily they went out quickly. But imagine if it would have been two years of in and out of chemo yeah. and struggling and mm-hmm. pain and suffering. It's like if if I would have been given that news at that person's age and everything else, I'd be like, you know what? I'll put my affairs in order. I'm going to you know, see the people that I love and tell them that I love them and disperse the things that mean a lot to yeah. me. To like, I want you to have this. I want you to have this. I want you to mm-hmm. remember me by these things and that kind of stuff. Like you have those things. I love you all. Deuces, I'm, I'm out. out. You know, like I'd rather do that than go through, you know, multiple years yeah. of chemo. I just would. But that that's me personally. So it's like I understand, you know, that instance of it as well. But I, I'd kind of made that decision of like, you know what, life is good. And and I'd also met some new people in my life uh, who became like a, a big brother and big sister to me mm-hmm. and became mentors in my life. I yeah. love them dearly. And they kind of helped me through the, those times and gave me a bunch of good books to read. And we had such great talks and communication together. And they really kind of helped straighten out my finances because I got into a bunch of trouble in my early 20s. And cause I didn't know any better. I mean, yeah. like, they don't teach you this shit in school. My yeah. parents did the best they could, but they didn't know how to teach good finances. Mm-hmm. Like, they were, they were pretty good at their finances, but they couldn't teach those kind of things. So I read some good yeah. books on their recommendation. And But the problem that I had with that kind of stuff is like they would give me these like self-help books. And yeah, there's some great stuff in there. And I, I appreciate the idea of, you know, wanting to better yourself and read and learn those kind of things. But there's to the point where some of that is bullshit. Where it's like, you know, hey, when you're down, you're up. And when you're up, you're up. You're always up. And you're always excited yeah. and happy. And like, like salesman kind of bullshit. And it's like, no, like I need to be a real person. Like when mm-hmm. I'm down, I need to be allowed to just be down. Like it's okay. It's not different. It's like a great, great example of this is like I was taught through my early 20s through some of these self-help books and stuff, and I guess through my mid-20s. And it was like, again, you're always up. You're always excited. Yeah. You're always, you know, how are you doing? I'm doing great and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, you know what? When I'm doing shitty, I need to be able to just say, you know what? Things yeah, are a little I'm tough right now, so good. But, but, I'm, but I'm hanging in there. You know, yeah. like it's okay to say that to people who love you. You know, like that, that that's a good thing because I think like, was it the the book they talk about all the time, like The Secret, mm-hmm. you know, like Oprah's talked about this kind of stuff and, it, and it's like, it's all bullshit. I'm going to believe it into existence. Like, yeah, but there's a bunch of shit who believe a bunch of stuff and they never go work for well, it. I can, it. I can believe I have fucking wings. That doesn't mean I can fly. Exactly. Like I, I can believe that I'm a multi-gajillionaire and super famous actor, but yeah. it doesn't mean it's going to fucking happen. Mm-hmm. Like there's reality here. I, you know? I, I do understand the idea of manifest destiny. Yes, but you've got to go out and work it. Absolutely. Work for it, earn it. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing is these people just want it to happen because I believed it's going to happen. So it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you got to go earn that shit. Well, that's the word that people forget is manifestation. Like uh, manifestation by definition is you creating something. Yeah. And in order to create, you must apply time and pressure. Uh, I mean, it's no different than taking a rock and turning it into a diamond. Yep. The only difference between a rock and a diamond is time and pressure. 
Yep. That's lit. That, yeah. That's it. I mean, that's, that's well, I should say coal. Coal and a diamond. Well, yeah, we know, we know what you mean. Yeah, rocks. <laughs> um, <laughs> not just regular rocks, special yeah, rocks. Any rocks. <laughs> Service these yeah. rocks. But that was obviously the first time that I dealt with a lot of depression. But again, I, I wish I could think back more clearly of kind mm-hmm. of what I was doing. And then later on in life, like the, the second big bout of depression that I faced was after a big breakup. And I talked about this a little bit last um, episode with, um, uh, excuse me, with, with Press and Russ. And we, we were getting into some of that stuff about like raising daughters and, mm-hmm. and doing those kind of things. And it was, it was a great, it was a great conversation. It was the first time that I really opened up about that on the podcast. Obviously, I've shared that with very close friends of mine because mm-hmm. I was really struggling for a couple of years, honestly, with all of that because, you know, I had, I believed this lie that there's this one magical person that I need to find that in my mind, this person was it for me. Like, this is the person who's going to make me happy and who's going to mm-hmm. do all this kind of stuff, like all this bullshit that we teach kids. Is you're, you're waiting for that one magical person to marry and do whatever. And I've come across this um, in my own mind recently. It's like, no, that's fucking bullshit. Like, there's seasons of your life. And there's going to be people who come and go, whether they'll be friends, family, through mm-hmm. death or other, maybe just you fall apart and you mm-hmm. just don't talk to each other anymore. Like, like it doesn't matter, but like there's seasons in your life and there's going to be multiple people that help you through those seasons and hopefully help you grow as a person. And you might grow away from those people. You might grow deeper into those people. You don't know. But to just think that you're going to base all of your happiness on some one magical partner, uh, like you know, like a relationship that you're going to have is like, it's horseshit. Like mm-hmm. you've got to be happy with yourself before you can be happy with other people. Like again, that one person's not going to make me happy, mm-hmm. but I had bought into this. I'm like, Hey, I'm waiting for this one magical person to complete me and make me happy and all this kind of shit. And I put all my energy into that. And it was, it was interesting because the other person was just was kind of around and they were like, well, things are okay. They're not bad enough for me to leave, but they're not good enough for me to want to do this, like get married mm-hmm. and be in the future together and all this kind of stuff. Like, it's not what they wanted. That's fine. But it's like some people were, were so mad <laughs> when, it, when it all first happened. Like, oh, I can't believe that, you know, this person did that to you. And it's like, uh, they didn't do it to me. I did this yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I was afraid to ask the questions that I didn't want to hear the answers to. Yeah. I'm the one who fooled myself. Like, mm-hmm. there, there's none of them doing this to me. Like, I did this to me. Yeah. And that was a big thing that kind of obviously came later. But when it first happened, Man, oh man, I was crushed. I was devastated. Yeah. I didn't know how to live. Like I was struggling to get out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I never, I never, I never had thoughts of suicide yeah. or anything like that. Because again, I'd already made like, that decision. Like you, I'm, I'm already done with that. I never have to remake it. Mm-hmm. I only ever have to manage it. So I was deep. I was dark. I was well, you down. Just dread the day. You just dread the it day. Was just, it's it, not... was, it was weird because, like, again, I had no motivation to do anything. Mm-hmm. I, I could. I could hardly get out of bed, get dressed, and go to the go to the office in the morning. Mm-hmm. I wasn't getting anything done at the office. Luckily, we were super slow. Otherwise, I would have probably been in a shit ton of trouble. Yeah, because I just couldn't focus. Like I would just randomly start crying, like just sitting at my desk, not thinking of anything, just trying to focus on work, and I couldn't. My mind's spinning, and all of a sudden, like I just start crying. Yeah, and luckily, no one's walking by my desk because I got freaking tears like streaming down my face. I'm like. Okay, I got to kind of clear this shit up. Yeah. And I had a I had a really good friend at work, and she and I would go out to lunch, and she was kind of having a rough time in her life as well. So we were kind of there for each other. Sometimes we would talk about what was going on so I could just kind of get things off of my chest. Yeah. Sometimes we would just sit there in quietness, like out because we'd, we'd go out to a park bench. And it was like out in nature and mm-hmm. kind of just be out there in, in nature. And uh, And we went to lunch almost every day. I would text her. 
by like you know nine ten in the morning. Like I need to get lunch. Yeah. She's like, okay. So I'd wait for her to take her lunch, and we would go, and we would sit out there sometimes again, talk sometimes quietly, but almost every damn day. And she really helped me through that tough time. And I also had what one, two, three, four other friends that I leaned on, mm-hmm. and I would have I would call them or text them, and be like, dude, like we need to talk, and they would come over. And we would sit in my living room. Again, sometimes no words would even be had. I'd just yeah. be sitting there blubbering like an idiot, you know, because I, I just mm-hmm. couldn't deal with what was going on. And it was it was a really tough time for me. And then after a few months, I was like, you know what? I need to go see someone. This is probably not good. Mm-hmm. But I was really afraid because of, of, of who I am and what's going on with firearms and everything else. It's like sometimes like, well... If they say that you're not mentally stable now, you couldn't have a firearm yeah. now. Like, well, this is a big part of my life. I'm not going to give up my firearms. So I talked to somebody, made sure everything was good, and we were safe, and everything was solid. She's like, no, there's no, nothing to be worried about. You can come in and talk about anything you want to have. Mm-hmm. There's nobody collecting this information. There's nobody collecting this data. You know, it's like you're completely sane. You're, you're not some bipolar, yeah. crazy asshole. You know, but again, some of those people, they need to find help and get help, and there's fine. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But it was... I went. I went to her about once a month because that's about all I could afford to yeah. pay cash for all that, and it was because it was expensive. But I, I went to go see her, and it was it was a great thing to just hear from a professional. There's nothing wrong with you. You're doing everything right, and she said something that was very powerful that has stuck with me ever since. And she said, "This is going to suck until it doesn't. Yeah. There's nothing you can do to rush this along, you know." And 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 she had said that typically. You know, it takes you about half the time of the relationship to kind of get over what was going on. So, like, we were on on again, off again with, with my ex for about three years, something like that. Probably more off again than on again. Yeah. But in my mind, I was all in. Well, there's so still for, a dedication. Yeah, so to... for me, it was still all that time, even though, you know, for that other person, it wasn't. But that's okay. Because, mm-hmm. again, I did this to me. <laughs> they didn't do this to me. But so I had to kind of work through that and... And she's like, this is probably going to be a year and a half to maybe two years, depending on mm. how you're feeling until you're really over this. Yeah. And it was like, you know what? She was fucking right. Like, it just took time. And there was time. I mean, I remember my therapist was the one who said it. She's like, you know what? You're doing all the right things. You're doing good. I mean, things still hurt. I get yeah. it. But I don't think you really need to keep coming back here. I think you're doing all the right things and you you are good to go. Again, if you, if you, if you get really dark, if things really start yeah. to hurt again, come back. Yeah. No problem. She's like... Well, it's funny. She was like, I would love to hear, like, you're such a great guy. And, you know, like, I would love to hear from you, like, in three years that you're with somebody and yeah. they're amazing and you're so happy now. And unfortunately, that's not been the case because I, I guess I'm just really bad at online dating. And apparently, that's the only place you meet people nowadays because people are afraid to meet people in person. I, uh, I don't know. Well, I've but, obviously very clearly been out of the dating game for about <laughs> 12 years now. So I can't, I can't speak on yeah, that. Yeah. Well, trust me when I say online dating <clears throat> fucking so sucks you hear that ladies come meet matt <laughs> tell them where you like to hang out that way. hey so i always i always tell my friends like hey if you got any uh, friends who like big bald bearded guys like hey. i know a guy and i'm interested in going out and meeting them you know having a meet and greet but it's just uh online dating for me was such a shit show because i'm like i'm such a good guy you know, i don't mean that to be braggadocious like when I'm, I'm a good person like yeah i'm not the most handsome guy in the world. Yeah, I'm fucking bald because I lost my hair. And I'm a little overweight because well, I fucking that's... love sugar too much. But unfortunately, with the online stuff, like everyone's trying to date up. Oh, absolutely. You know, so it's like if you're a five out of ten, you're trying to date sevens. You know, and it's like I'm a five out of ten. I get it. Like I'm an average person. No big deal. It's like 
I'm trying to date fives, maybe some sixes. Like I'm not trying to date eights and nines or out of my league. I get it. That's no problem. I got no issues with that, but it's like, why am I only matching with threes online? Like what the fuck is going on here? Like, why am I not matching with fours and fives? Like what the shit? (laughs) Well, uh, You're thinking heavy here. I can see the gears so, turning. <laughs> well, I try to make sure that I articulate my thoughts before I just open my fucking poop hole and like, <laughs> let the <laughs> shit just fly out. You know? <laughs> um, so maybe, again, it, it comes down to the vibes you're putting out there. Uh, there was you know? there was a long time there where I wasn't ready to put myself back out there. I needed to work on myself again. The same as like when I got divorced. Mm-hmm. I was very single through my 20s. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i talking, I could count on one hand yeah. the number of dates I went on. Not even like girlfriends, whatever. Yeah. No, dates. Like I was very single. But I did that on purpose yeah. because I was fucking working on me. Well, and that's... And that, again, that's... All you're doing is just taking another loop around that track. Yes. You know, um, you're just back in the same... Uh, you know, uh, mind frame of of um, uh, self improvement. Um, but again, you know, I think you get out of this world what you put into it, and maybe right now or at that time, what you were putting out into the world was just, you know, you needed to put more into you than you needed to put out into the world, and yeah, and that was just again that representation of that, uh, by you seeing that, you know. Um, you know, so obviously, you know, having a relationship is a lot of hard work, you know, and that's, and that's, so I do agree with you. I don't believe that there is one person out there that's your soulmate and that you are destined to be with. No, I think there's going to be people, people who come in and out of your lives and can enrich it and make it better, whether it's for a day, a week, months, years, even decades. Yeah. Those people are going to be there for you, but you should be open to the idea of other people out there. It's not just this one magical person mm-hmm. that's going to fucking make you happy. I, so, so again, you know, I, I don't believe that we as people are required to change ourselves, you know, to meet the needs of others. But I think people who care about their other half um, are willing to change for the, for the improvement of the relationship. Yes, but the big thing here is that you coming into a relationship, you were unable to change the other person that you're with. No, and I that I, person has got to want to change to be a better person for you. That, yeah, that's the point I'm making. Yes. You know, you should not be required to change for anybody. But if you love someone, if you truly love someone, you would you be want willing to, you should to want change to. your negative traits for them. You know? Absolutely. Well, I shouldn't say for them. For you to make them happy. For the betterment of your experience together. Yes. So, you know, obviously, yeah, my wife and I have had trials and tribulations through our marriage and relationship. You, I, I, I know that. And do you know how I know that? I told you. No, because you're a fucking person. <laughs> we all go through this shit. So I don't, I don't like if you're single, you got single yeah. problems. You're married, mm-hmm. you got marriage problems. You yeah. got kids, you got kid problems. Yeah. If you got teenagers, we'll pray for you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, so again, you know, but a lot of it came down to, and this is something that I uh, am very I admire my wife because of this. Um, very few times did our relationship come to quote unquote come to blows. You know, uh, most of our disagreements in our relationship uh, were actually handled in a very civil tone. What you mean, be an adult, right? and sit down, and have a conversation? You, this is sounds, crazy. It talk. sounds ludicrous, but I'm telling you, <laughs> it, it works. 
Um, and, and so, yeah, many of, of nights, um, I remember standing in the kitchen or sitting in the living room, you know, and yeah, you know, we're both upset with each other because of X, Y, and Z. And, uh, this is what's going on. And Hey, you know, this is not good for us. And obviously this is clearly causing problems because we both wouldn't feel this way if this was the case, you know, and there's times where I have very clearly been in the wrong. And there's times where she has been very clearly in the wrong. You know, we have both wronged each other in different ways. Uh, over the years, uh, maybe not intentionally, maybe so, you know, depending on the scenario. But um, uh, for the most part was that at the end of the day, we were able to sit down and have a discussion and say, hey, you know, can you work on this? Because if not, we need to sit down and talk about another outlet. Yeah, for an this. avenue, an option. Yeah, something. other options, because obviously this clearly ain't working. And yeah, if I'm being completely honest, we've sat down and we've had the divorce talk. You know, hey, would it be best if we actually follow through with this? You know, uh, we sought out therapy together and individually. Um, you know, and yeah, but uh, let's be honest, that, that's every relationship. It's yeah. not all fucking bunnies and unicorns and rainbows. Like, like there are some hard times in there, and the fact that you guys can sit down and civilly, civilly talk about those things speaks huge to both of your characters. But also the fact that you're actually committed to each other. Well, and that's and that's what's made it so not because it wasn't easy. But what, oh, no, what those, made those are not it, easy. What made it easier for me to do the things that I needed to do to improve upon was because I know that the partner that I have uh, in this adventure, so to speak, is willing to do the same. It is being reciprocated. There is a sense of responsibility here. Yes. Right? It does take two people to make a relationship. If Absolutely. Just, if just the one person is going to therapy and working on themselves yeah. and changing themselves and doing that, it's almost doomed to fail. Oh, absolutely. You, you, you almost always have to work on it together. So, you know, and that, and that idea, you know, yeah, it's, there's been some hard nights and there's, you know, that old cliche, you know, never go bed mad at each other. You know, I, I agree with that. And yeah, I will always tell my wife before we go to bed, before I leave the house before I do anything, you know, uh, anything that would physically separate us, you know, I'm leaving, I'm going to bed, whatever, you know, I will kiss her, uh, and I will say, I love you. And, you know, whatever may follow, you know, I'll be back later or I'll see you in the morning or have a good day tomorrow, whatever it may be. And even Stop though, being an asshole. I mean, whatever. I mean, even, just... yeah, that too. <laughs> um, and even though I've been angry with her, that has never prevented me from letting her know that I love her intentionally. Now, I have maybe done so uh, unintentionally through my actions, you know, um, you know, me being my uh, dumbass self. Well, you're you know, a guy. Guys are stupid. Yeah, so I so, get it. So, uh, you know, but but still, I would never intentionally disregard her as a partner and as a human being without simply saying, hey, good night. I love you. Yeah. And kiss her on, you know, the cheek or whatever and just let her know, yes, I am mad. Yeah, I'm angry. But I'm still here. I'm still here for you. I'm still here for us. Uh, I am angry, but I still love you. Yeah. And, that's, and we'll get that's through okay. this together. Absolutely. So um, knowing that my partner will reciprocate that and, again, provide that sense of responsibility to herself and to us. Um, that provides me a lot of comfort because then I know my energies um, are not being wasted, so to speak. Um, 
which had a lot to do with my whole personal adventure of self-improvement. Um, because even though maybe she wasn't there physically every day to kind of pat me on the back and cheer me on, I knew that right, wrong, or indifferent, she was there and all she ever wanted for me was for me to be happy and the best I could ever provide for myself and the best she could provide for me. Now, sometimes we have both fallen short of that, obviously. Of We're course, fucking human you, you beings. will. Um, but I feel like for her and I, the difference is that uh, no matter how time, how many times we have fallen, it seems like we've always been able to kind of pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, and say, hey, is this worth putting the time and energy into it? Because it's going to be a long, hard road. And we both look at each other and nod yes, and we face the sun and keep moving west. You know what I yep. mean? And you still try to seek out that that betterment for yourself and others, you know. And I've said it before on this podcast, you know, my wife is the light of my life, and she is the most important person in my life. And in most aspects, even more important than I treat myself, to a fault. Um, You know, obviously, I I take care of myself, but you understand the point that I'm making. Yes, absolutely. And so... I think to myself, okay, well, maybe I should do the dishes because I like to have her cook dinner for me every night, and she never once complains about having to cook dinner. All right, get your ass up and go do the dishes, you stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> you know, you're sitting here wanting to play video games or do this or do that. Yeah, work on projects around the house or get caught yeah. up on work at the shop or something. You know, but when, it's like time. No, take some time and make your wife's life a little easier. Yeah, you know, and that was one of one of the things that she approached me about. You know, when we went through one of our 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 biggest hurdles in our relationship, you know, she even she said it right to me. She goes, "I don't feel like I have a partner. I feel like I have a fucking roommate. I feel like I have somebody that I have to take care of. I have to go to work. I have to come home. I have to do this. I have to do that. And what do you do?" And I basically just stood there and looked like a fucking moron for about 30 seconds till I realized, she's right. I don't do a fucking thing around here. Okay. All right. We're getting somewhere. <laughs> okay. All right. You know, and uh, so it, it created this journey of, uh, it created this journey of, uh, self-improvement and that required me to really take a deep dive into my own well-being uh and and mentally physically all that stuff and I realized that I was not okay with myself and that caused me to not hold up my end of the bargain in the relationship I started to become complacent in the idea that she would always be there and that she would always take care of me Um, and it's not her responsibility to take care of me. It is her responsibility to be a good partner that and nowhere in that job description. Does it say take care of him? That was my mother's job and she's gone. So guess what? Buttercup, you got to take care of yourself. Yeah. Not to mention that was your mother's job while you were a young child and couldn't take care of yourself. So again, I created this environment mentally that basically made me believe that that's what she was there to do and boy was i wrong rightfully so and uh you know i'm thankful that she approached me and basically told me hey if you don't change i'm fucking out of here yeah because but that's a healthy conversation to have absolutely it was like hey 
this is what you're doing. This is how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. We need to work on this or I can't do this anymore. Absolutely. But that's that's the great thing of having any kind of relationship is like, okay, I value this person. I'm willing to make some changes to make them yes. happier. Like Because again, you realize, hey, I'm not doing enough around here. Like mm-hmm. I need to do some more housework and be here for my wife and be a partner. Absolutely. And not just expect her to do it because I'm going off to work. She's fucking working too. Like, yep. like get the fuck out of here. It's it's not like she's sitting at home all day watching the telly yep. and doing nothing because you're making all these big bucks. Like, But even then, it's like you still need to be a good partner. Absolutely. It's not about, oh, I make the money, so you're going to – take care of the house and do this and that blah 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 like no like it's a partnership well and again i think a lot of it comes down to the terms of agreement for that partnership yeah i have a friend who uh him and his ex that's how it was he worked she stayed home he didn't demand but in their quote unquote agreement she did the laundry she did the cooking she did the cleaning he came you know he went and he was the primary breadwinner for the family he made sure the bills were all paid and then, you know, uh, it was her responsibility to run the household. He he brings the bacon home. He goes to work every day. And her job is to make sure that the machine keeps running. Yeah. You know, and that was the agreement that they had. As long as it works for them, that's what's important. Absolutely. And that idea transferred over into his following relationship. And that was not the case at all. Uh, she became very... She looked at that, his second relationship, she looked at that as a free ride. Oh, well, he's paying my bills? Shit, yeah, buddy, I got it made. Well, she wouldn't hold her up her end of the bargain. You know, the dishes pile up in the sink. He told me he came home one night and went to make dinner and uh, basically couldn't because there was maggots crawling out of the sink because the dirty dishes had been piled up for so long. Yeah. And he he's like, you know, so I stayed up till three in the fucking morning doing every dish that was sitting in that sink. You know, he did it, not her. He said that he got up the next morning. It was like a Saturday or Sunday morning, and she got up, made herself some breakfast, and took her dirty plate and just tossed it in the sink. And he goes, it pissed me off because I had spent all night doing the dishes. Yeah. And she just you know, didn't ask me if I wanted anything to eat, didn't say a fucking word. Got up, made herself some cinnamon rolls, cooked them, put the dirty dish in the sink, and went right back to bed. And he goes, and I come, I'm fucking glued. <laughs> you know, and I stayed up till three in the morning doing the dishes and blah, blah, blah. And, and I see his side of it too, you know. If if the agreement is simply that, you know, yes, I you don't have to work. I will pay all your bills. I will pay for everything. And that included debts that she had previous to the relationship. And the, he those, helped her. those things are all fine as long as they sit down in the and discuss them absolutely and it's not some unwritten thing where he's like well i expect you to do this because my ex did this mm-hmm. or i because that's the role of a woman like to some people i mean whatever yeah. i mean it's chauvinistic i understand but in some people's mind that's how things are but you don't know what somebody else is thinking you actually have to sit down and have the conversation well, of like hey i would appreciate it if you would do these things around the house mm-hmm. you don't have to have a job you don't have to work yeah. i'll take care of you that's fine but I want you to help out, kick in, and do these kind of things. Like, But you don't know that until you actually have that conversation. Well, but – and again, they did. Okay. Because – and the only reason why I say that is because I was kind of privy to certain conversations. Um, I would either hear them while I was there or, you know, he would come to me and say, you know, yeah, we talked, blah, blah, this and that. And, uh, you know, I remember – because he employed me for a little while. And uh, I remember she – worked for like a first year or two that was in a relationship. She got laid off 
and basically just never went back to work and spent the next four years basically mooching off of him um, while she basically slept for 18 hours a day and spent the other six hours a day on her phone scrolling and doing fuck all. Yeah. And so... Which is what most people do on their fucking phones. You know, uh, you know he found out that she basically... Well, I, sh- I shouldn't say that. That I guess that's none of my business. Nobody else's business, too. Um, there were things that were happening in the relationship that were very clearly her taking advantage of him. Very clearly. Very clearly. Uh, emotionally and financially, she was taking advantage of him. Um, now, again, he wasn't a perfect partner either. He had his fair share of flaws. Of course. Because um, he's human. Absolutely. And so, you know... I. At a certain point, I remember thinking to myself, wow, this relationship is doomed. Um, And I remember us having several conversations, and he asked me one night, he goes, what should I do, man? And I said, you really want my opinion? Kick her ass out. And he said, yeah, man, I I need you to tell me the truth. And I said, you need to kick her ass out, bro. I'm like, you need to tell her to pack her shit and get the fuck out of here. That's toxic on both ends. And next time she does leave, I said, you need to change the locks. Because basically what she would do, that was how they would fight. She would pack up all her shit or a couple bags of shit, she would get in the car, and she would either sit at the end of the driveway, or she would drive off and drive to her mom's and come back either later that night or the next day and act like nothing ever happened. Yeah, because that's healthy. Yeah. I don't mean to cut it short. Can I take a bathroom break? Absolutely. My back teeth are floating. One second here, guys. We're going to take a quick break. And just like that, we are back. (laughs) Longest pee ever. (laughs) Going like a racehorse. But uh, but no, I, I I I understand exactly what you're talking about with all that kind of stuff. But it's just it's like it's like anything else, you know. With any kind of relationship, there's give and take. There's hard mm-hmm. times. There's good times. Yeah. And it's 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 just hard work that most people aren't willing to put in. It is what it is. But I remember like specifically like when I was going through that uh, breakup for me, and I was really struggling. Like I just I had no zest for life. I was just yeah. going through the motions, and I don't know what I would have done. If it would have been like the the pandemic, like we've had recently yeah, with the coronavirus stuff, time. where you had nothing else going on, like I would get up and I would go to work. I was again, I was going through the motions. I had no zest for anything. Mm-hmm. I would get changed after that. I would go to the gym. I couldn't. I could. I was still lifting at the time. I couldn't lift heavy because I was a mess. There'd be a handful of times I'm sitting there at the gym just bawling, you know, like just tears coming down my face, and and most people would see it and either not say anything or just kind of ignore me like I yeah. get it because I'm not I'm trying to bring down their time as well but it's like I couldn't fight it like it's just I was just feeling what I was feeling you know I was going through that tough time and plus at that point my hip was fucked and I was going through like the end of my career and I didn't want to didn't want to admit it because I was trying to push through it and do all that kind of stuff and see you know um, like a massage therapist for my hip and see my chiropractor and I went to my regular doctor and he took x-rays and did all that kind of stuff, trying to figure everything out. And it it just wasn't working. So there was some of that that was going on as well. But I was just, I was, I was going through a real tough time with all that. But eventually, I like, eventually, eventually like time, enough time had passed. It was like, okay, you know what? Like it still hurts. It still sucks, but I'm starting to appreciate life again. I'm starting to see friends and go out and do things and, and not just be at home and be miserable yeah. by myself because that's what I was doing. Like, I, again, I was going through the motions, going to work, going to the gym, but I wasn't 
actively going out to see friends. I wasn't actively yeah. going out to do passions and, and like, I love to play sports and do activities mm-hmm. and I wasn't doing those things because I just felt so crappy all the time. And it's like, you know what? I, I need to do more of this kind of shit. Well, and that's, so one thing in my most recent, uh, conversation with my wife, you know, she told me, she goes, you need to find a fucking hobby. And I'm like, I do. It's loving you. And she's like, shut up. <laughs> you know, um, but all jokes aside, you know, she was right. I needed to find something to uh, pursue yes. that, that created, again, that sense of responsibility, a, um, a sense of meaningfulness. Um, so I've been looking at other hobbies, just stuff that I thought I could enjoy. And again, I think we all struggle with this. We were just talking about this before we got on the episode, you know, for me, we at talked least, about a lot of shit before we started yeah, recording. <laughs> um, but like the idea of, uh, just, uh, you know, creating that hobby and then getting so deeply involved into it that you want to dump all your money into it. You know, uh, it's very easy for me, at least I'll get excited and I, and I'll try to consider this as a small time hobby. This is something I want to do. I don't want to sink a bunch of time and energy into it. Just something to do for fun. Um, but then I'll catch myself because I enjoy it. I'm like, oh, wow, this feels great. Well, I want to keep doing this, so uh, I'm going to go buy this because that's going to make this a lot more fun and enjoyable or easier or blah, blah, blah. And Okay, well, this one is not so great. There's nicer ones out there. I'm going to buy this one instead. Well, now you, I've spent you know, more money. You can sink a lot of money into just about anything. Anything that really can be done is is a lot of a lot of time and money can be spent into it. Yeah, no matter what so, it is. So, like I was saying earlier, you know, like uh, I'm kind of a cologne aficionado. You know, I like that. That's fun for me. Um, I like to, it, and it's it's pleasant. You know. Um, for someone to approach you and be like, wow, you smell good. I'm like, yeah, I know, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I um, know my shit. Um, but again, you know, it's just that idea that I'm creating a pleasant atmosphere um, just by my presence. Um, to me, that's what's enjoyable about it. You know, uh, and I'm sure you've probably felt that same way, maybe not con- consciously, but like, so say you go on a date with a woman and she's got just, it's not too strong, it's not too light. It's not too much. It's not too little. You know, she, she's got a nice perfume on and it just smells amazing to you. Like that, that automatically creates this environment of comfort and like connection. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of science behind that, especially with hormones and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's really interesting how much smell plays a part that most people don't realize. Well, smell is one of the strongest oral factor sensories for memory. Yes. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. Um, but yeah, so smell smell is the easiest one to remember. Yeah, you can smell something, it'll take you back to a memory yes. that you had years ago. Happens or, all the time. You know, or people say, oh my God, I can't smell that because... It reminds me of this. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so like I said, I like that. I like that. That's kind of... I'm not necessarily been a hobby, but it is a passion of mine. Um, I wouldn't call it a hobby because... It's tough to go out and do that. Yeah, you right? basically just buy it and collect it, yeah. you know? Uh, use it um, versus like sports. You know, you can you can go out and play sports. I can't go out and play cologne, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not sure how that would work. Probably not so well. <laughs> but like um, 
I, I mean, I can tell you what one I'm wearing right now, you know. Um, well, obviously, yeah, it's something that you're passionate about. It's on the forefront yeah. of what you're thinking about it. And like, and like we were talking before we started recording, like it's all seasonal with that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it, it always it always changes and updates and goes different, which yep. is interesting. I've got a different one. I every day I wear something a different scent, you know, and and but but again, I guess I should circle back to my main point. My main point is simply that I've created something that brings me a little bit of joy and happiness, which I think creates again that sense of responsibility. Uh, and a sense of meaning and a sense of belonging um, because now I can get on there. And one thing that I see guys do on the one Facebook page I'm a group or Facebook group I'm a part of, you know, guys will take a picture because it's mostly, I'd say it's probably 95% men in this group. Um, they will post a picture of the bottle of whatever scent they're wearing that day and it's, they've created their own little hashtag for it that's called scent of the day. and it's just kind of neat because now I have been a part of this group for a long enough time. I felt comfortable sharing that. And I posted a picture the other day of a bottle of cologne that I was wearing. You know, this is today's scent of the day. And I had made the comment under my post, you know, this one is I feel very overlooked, but it's a great cologne. And I had a bunch of people like agree with me, you know, that affirmation there. Oh, yeah, it's great. It smells so wonderful, blah, blah. That that was comforting. That yes. felt good. To you're also sharing it with people who have the same level of passion and understanding mm. that you do, which is different than the average person. Yeah. So again, I think when people create that type of environment for themselves, that hobby, um, that gives them a that sense of empowerment. Yeah. Um, because now they feel accepted. Yes, I do the same thing with bourbon. I've gotten into yep. bourbon collecting and tasting and all that kind of stuff in the last you know year, year and a half or whatever it's mm -hmm. been. And granted, I've been, I've been looking into it for a handful of of years, but wasn't really serious about it until uh, the the pandemic hit and all that kind of stuff. Because then I had more time on my hands to start worrying about that kind of stuff. So that that's been interesting. But mm -hmm. most people don't understand. And it freaks him out. Like, oh my, you have how many bottles? Like, I got enough booze upstairs to like to kill like a handful of my friends and they come over for poker. Yeah, I'd kill like seven horses. And like, yeah, like, I mean, I could literally kill like all of us around this table playing poker because it's like, <laughs> I got a bunch of booze upstairs. Like, but it's like, I, I love opening them and sharing them and, and having that time with friends. Like, I really enjoy that part of it. And that's become so important to me because, because again, like, I've all, I've, believe this lie that this one magical person I have in my life is mm -hmm. going to make me happy. And it's like, you don't know, no. like I need to make me happy. But more importantly is I need to spend more time with the people that I love. And for me, like a lot of those are my friends and family. Yeah. It's like, okay, I guess that'd be most people. But for me, like not all of my family are blood relatives. Absolutely. Like, family are like the friends that I choose to love. Absolutely. Like to me, like they're still family. I don't care what anybody, what society says. Oh, well, they're not really your blood. They're not your family. Like, well, fuck you. Like no, they're, they, they're they, my family. They may not be family, but they are your tribe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I've spent a lot more time in the last year just wanting to have friends and family mm -hmm. over. Like just come over. Yeah. Well, like, I, I, live, I live alone. Like I do those kind of things. So it's like. Like let's let's have a, a whiskey night. Yeah. Let's let's sit on the back porch and and bullshit and and just you know shoot the shit. I mean, obviously, I love the podcast as well because when's the last time you and I sat down for this long and had a conversation? Uh, Probably yeah, the last time we had a conference like podcast. Yeah. But normally there's somebody else here, so it's yeah. even not one on one. So this is even like more special than it normally yeah. would be because 
Like when I see you at the shop, yeah, we get to bullshit for half an hour, forty five minutes, but then you got shit to do. I gotta leave, we gotta go there. It's like it's just yeah, it's, it's back just to how the grind. It yeah, it's just it's how back it goes. to the grind. You so know? it's it's really good to be able to take this time and, and share it with somebody, which is obviously great about the podcast, but I've been trying to do that more outside mm-hmm. of that. And just I'm having friends over, like I don't you know, the house is a mess. Whatever. Like I, right now I got demolition going on down here in the basement is where I'm renovating and trying to making it a better space for entertaining and having people over. And it's like, but it's it's just it's more fun. It's what I'm trying to do to spend more of my time with the people that I love. Absolutely. Yep. You know, um, creating good memories can sometimes save your life. Yeah. You absolutely. Know, good memories can sometimes save you. And uh, time is a precious commodity. It's simp- that's all it is, you know. Every person on this earth is bound to perish and move on to whatever our next plane of existence is, if there is one. Um, So I feel as though people get caught up in the idea that we're living for something more. This is the game. You, this is the big show, buddy. You're in it. This, yeah. this is not a practice round for yeah. something. This, this is, is your the, fucking movie. Yeah, this is the big show. You, you, your ticket's punched, man. All you gotta do is get on the train, you know. And uh, so, so like you said, you'd been kind of struggling with the depression side. You know, one thing that I have struggled with in the past year or so has been a lot of. Uh, I don't want to say self-identity, self-worth, you know, um, I felt like for, and I've always felt like this my entire life, that my feelings, my problems were quote unquote less than, you know, um, and what I meant by that is that idea of, you know, well, other people have it worse than me. So my problems aren't that bad. So what are you bitching and crying about? Yeah. You know, and then that created this repressive nature of any time I did feel some kind of negative emotion, I would inadvertently try to repress it um, as a means of uh, outwardly appearing as though I've dealt with my problems. Yes, because absolutely. there are people out there who have significantly greater problems than I and this is just me using this as an excuse to be a whiny bitch, you know. Um, but ultimately, what I realized was that it is absolutely healthy and necessary for you to experience those types of emotions. Now, I'm not saying I'm the smartest person in the world, but I like to consider myself relatively intelligent. And I think that people who are self-aware enough to understand that are more likely to deal with self-worth issues, depression, anxiety, and things of that nature. They're much more susceptible to having bouts of depression, whether it be the highs or lows or whatever. They're they're more in tune with their own feelings and the feelings of those around them. So I think they're more affected by a lot of those. And some people who just go through the world with their own blissful thoughts and don't really think about all the other. Yeah, (laughs) but but it's not because ignorance can't hurt you. Absolutely, it can. But again, so can uh, extreme intelligence. Yes, yes. Because most of the very intelligent people are are manic and depressed and they have real issues. Absolutely. But again, I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that they are so self-aware and so self, uh, I guess I shouldn't say um, self-conscious, self-aware, I guess would be the correct term. Yeah, they're they're so self-aware of 
the idea that they are not a permanent fixture. Yes. That they are merely a mortal uh, being whose time is finite and will not last forever. And I think that ultimately in and of itself creates a saddened state. It can. Because of the pursuit of something greater. Because they know that eventually either A, they will reach their goal and they will have nothing more to pursue, or B, you will... uh, and your life will end before you ever accomplish that goal. Um, because, and I'm sure we've all felt this way in our, in the past, you know, you've got some kind of goal you want to achieve and leading up to it, you're so excited. It's so, such a proud and, uh, you know, joyful, uh, journey that when you finally accomplish your goal, you're almost saddened by the idea that this journey is over. And and so, again, that brings me back to the idea of creating responsibility to build meaningfulness in your own life, which creates competency and happiness. We have to have responsibility to find happiness. Yes. Yes, I really do believe that. Because um, that's, that's when you feel the most fulfilled, when you've accomplished something that was difficult. Absolutely. So, now, this is something that I've been spending a lot of time listening to, reading to, is is like men's mental health awareness. Now, ladies, if you're listening, please don't think that I am um, discrediting your struggles as women, um, as the opposite gender to men, but I do believe that there are, there are things that are socially acceptable for women that are not for men, and vice versa. Um, you know... And we've all said it, and we've all heard it, and we've all experienced it. You know, you're feeling a certain way, and your friend will tell you, man, you just, you just going to have to nut up and deal with it, buddy. You know, man up. Um, and, and again, I think we're creating a stigma, one, by simply saying that because you're dismissing the feelings of the other individual, you know, the true emotional nature of what they're dealing with. But on the flip side of that coin is that, yeah, you the, the gist of me saying that to you is to get you to understand that, you know, it's going to be a tough road, but you need to just work through it. You need to fight through it. You need to power through that. Um, not necessarily that you need to just muscle your way through a problem, but you need to understand that it's going to take some dedication, you know, um, it's going to take some hard work and energy uh, dedicated to this. You know, that's what I mean by, you know, by that. And uh, for me personally, you know, I realized that my journey to self-enlightenment required me to go into some of the deepest, darkest depths of my soul and my subconscious uh, to really figure out the things that were plaguing me uh, mentally, emotionally, physically, morally. Um, and I think that part of the reason why people don't go down that road is because most people who do, or the people who do have a tendency to get caught there yes. and never make it back I've, out. I've got a, f- a friend who is one of the most loving, self-aware people I've ever met in my life. And I really do believe that I was drawn to him at a specific point in my life and you know he believes in reincarnation, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he believes that we've lived this life together before. You know, we were friends in past lives and that kind of stuff. I don't know, but the the moment I met him, it was like an instant connection. Yeah. I mean, we were just there, and he's he's helped me grow so much. But unfortunately, because of his intelligence, because of he's so aware of his feelings and other people's feelings and everything else, like 
he's usually in a very deep depressed state. Yeah. And it's tough for him to fight himself out of it, even though he's almost always in constant therapy because of his own depression, what he's dealing with and trying to work through some of those things. But because he's so damn smart, like it causes other issues for him in his life. And it's tough to see, but it really is true. And it's, and I, I mean, he and I talk about all the time, you know, it's like, I, I don't, I mean, a lot of guys, like you said, a lot, yeah. a lot of men, and there's a stigma. You don't go to therapy. That's for, that's for, you know, that's for weak people. That's for women or whatever. Like, you know, you know, suck it up, cupcake, and get out there. And But that's bullshit. We all know this. But I don't care if you're not comfortable enough to go see a therapist. Find a close friend. Yeah, find a family somebody. member. Talk to somebody. If you need someone, fucking come talk to me. Yep. Like, God damn it. Like, I got big ears. Like, like they're good at listening. Like, I, anything we ever talk about. We'll stay between you and I. Like I'll never share it with anybody else. I, I got your back on this mm-hmm. one. You don't have to worry about that. So if you got to unload some stuff and talk, just talk to some friends. If I hadn't talked to the like my my friend, you know, at, at work and my other four friends that I had leaned on so yeah. heavily. I mean, the therapist was good to go see when I was going through that really second depression, that tough time. Yeah, it was good to go see her just to realize, okay, this is normal. This is normal. I'm good. Yeah. Like it's it's just gonna suck until it doesn't. But if I hadn't had those friends. That I could lean on in that mm-hmm. tough time. Like, I don't know if I would have gotten through it in the short amount of time. Granted, it took yeah. it took probably a couple of years, realistically. Mm-hmm. But if I hadn't had those people to lean on, it would have lasted much longer yeah. than, it, than it needed to. So, I I kind of lost my train of thought here. Um, Sorry. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Um, well, here, while, while you're thinking about that, we can always come back to it if, if it hits you. Um, after that second bout of depression was almost over, then the pandemic started with 2020 and mm-hmm. the coronavirus and all that bullshit. Yeah. And the lockdowns and the mandates and the strike on freedom and everything else started to hit. And that really affected me. And yeah. I didn't realize how much it affected me because at that time... You know, they shut everything down, but you could still go to the grocery store. You could yeah. still do all those essential quote unquote things that the government now decided that what was essential and yeah. what wasn't the fuckers. So like, but at my office, we were still going to the office. So I was still seeing my coworkers every day. I was getting, getting out, seeing people. Yeah, some socialization. Yeah, because, because I, I live alone. So if, if I don't go out and see people, like mm-hmm. I could just sit here in my own head and go down a deep. Deep, deep dark yeah. rabbit hole and it's not good for me and i know that and so i didn't realize how bad it was until they shut the gyms down mm-hmm. and when they shut the gym down i was doing i, I just started uh brazilian jiu-jitsu a couple of months prior so i started in january of 2020 at the new gym that i'm at now true art brazilian jiu-jitsu because obviously we've talked about that plenty of times on the show and i believe that every grown man should know how to fight and it's something i've wanted to learn how to do and it's been an interesting tough challenge and it's it's been very rewarding because it's so difficult absolutely and it's 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 been great I'm, I'm really i'm really loving it but i was a couple of months in until coaches like hey things are getting weird things are things are strange let's shut down let's take a few months and kind of figure out what's going on mm-hmm. and i didn't realize like how necessary that was in my life how much i needed that struggle and not, not even just that but the the connection with people because the kind of connection you have in jujitsu is so different than the connection i have with my coworkers. i would agree. i see my coworkers, and yeah we talk and i care about their lives and i'm asking how they're 
you know, their kids are, what's going on, like what they did the weekend or whatever. I care about that stuff, but it's a different kind of connection when you're so intimate and grappling and rolling around mm-hmm. and, and being physical and literally trying to, you know, like submit and tap the other person out. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's very, it's very difficult. And I, and I didn't realize how much I needed that in my life until it wasn't there. And I would literally get up and go to work. And I would come home and sit here and wish I was doing something, mm-hmm. wish I was around people, wish I was doing things, but I couldn't because everything was closed. Mm-hmm. And you would leave and try to go do something. Oh, I can't go do that. It's closed. Oh, I can't go do that. It's closed. And and I started to get very depressed. And it, and it started to hit me hard. But then coach, after a few months, realized, hey, this isn't getting any worse. Okay. People are going to get sick. They're going to come in and out of the gym right now. It's It's tough times. I get it. But... I'm going to reopen the gym. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize how much I needed that until we started going back. And if he hadn't stayed open, even when the, you know, the government or whoever was telling him he should be closed because he's not essential, his business isn't essential yeah. for my mental health and for the mental health of all the members mm-hmm. there, that's not essential. It's like if he hadn't <clears throat> done that, I'm not sure what dark place I would be in because realistically – you know, that happened, you know, and now, you know, like almost two years ago. Yeah. It's, it's you know, it, it's March 2022 mm-hmm. right now. And it's like, I was just getting over a very dark time in my life. And now we're starting to kick, right we're starting to kick right back into this where I'm starting to get depressed again yeah. and not have zest for life and not know what to do. And it, it was, it was really tough. If he hadn't stayed open these past two years and just shut down for a few months, yeah. like, I'm not sure where I, where I would be. Like, it was really difficult. Yeah. And that's so. So I remembered what I was going to say, um, but we'll no, no, hit, we'll, we'll come back to it. We'll hit, come back hit to that it because, now so we can just move on. Well, I, I want to. So, so again, finding that that sense of of uh, I don't want to say struggle, but you're 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 accomplishing goals. You're you're yeah. you're hurdling barriers, and you're I'm doing you things know, I never thought I'd be able to do. Yeah, literally, you, you are literally. learning and growing, uh, not only physically because of the action that you're completing, but mentally and emotionally. Because you, you, if you look good, you'll feel good. If you feel good, you will act good. If you act good, you will look good. Look good, act good, feel good. That's something that one of my uh, quote unquote coaches for my hand to hand combat training would always say to me: "Look good, feel good, act good." You know. And uh, he's got it wrote on on the one board in, in our, our little gym um, where we do our self-defense training and stuff. And, and I try to remind myself of that. And when I reflect back on that and I was dealing with my self-worth issues, I did not felt like I, I did not feel like I looked good. So I did not act good. Right. So I did not, you know, feel good. And, and then it just yeah. created this, you know, thing. It can either be like a great cycle or. An incredibly demoralizing cycle. Absolutely, like it, it can it can either help you or it can hurt you. So, one thing that, again, I'm not trying to offend any of the ladies listening. One thing that men do struggle with societal issues, and what I mean by that is, so weakness in men is generally viewed as a negative trait. There are very few females out there who want a weak partner. They want to know that their partner can protect and provide for them. I mean, that's that's a basic living being uh, idea. Just 
I mean, it's it's been that way for thousands of years. As long as human beings have roamed the earth, that we need to be strong and efficient and um, compassionate, but, but, but not just physically, but mentally and emotionally. Absolutely. As well. But I think that by not dealing with the things that we are dealing with, repressing our feelings, that creates a cycle of pain, and which. Uh, creates that self-worth issue and again because i cannot address the fact that i feel less than um because i will be constituted or viewed as a weak individual it makes it very difficult for us as men to reach out and deal with the emotional issues that we are dealing with remember happy sad angry those are the three base emotions that i feel almost every man in my life generally exudes on any given time uh, very seldomly do my friends come to me and they say, oh, you know, I just, I kind of feel very apathetic today. They'll just say, no, nah, I just don't feel good. I feel sad. I feel down. I'm not happy and I'm not mad, right? So, again, we're creating this baseline of emotion. So, in order for us to deal with those issues, we need to show weakness, right? Yeah. When we show weakness, that is creating a potential issue for us as men to continue to progress through the animalistic kingdom that we live in. Because weakness creates voids in our ability to provide and protect, right? So, um, without that strength of character... Again, women will look at you as a man and say, well, why do I want that in a partner? You know, he's he can't control his emotions. He cries all the time. You know, and again, I'm not – this is just a general blanket statement. I, I don't think that my wife would like it if I came home every day and I was all fucking, you know, down the dumps Eeyore. And, oh, I had a bad day. You know, I feel – if, you, know, you know, but but you and I both know if it happened a couple of times, it wouldn't be that big of a deal as long as you're working on it and getting better. But that's but like to your point, if it's every day all the time, it's going to get fucking old real quick. Yeah, but that's what I mean. That's that's being a weak partner. Absolutely, having a moment of weakness is not being weak. No, continuing to remain in a weak state is weakness by right? choice. Yes. So, um. You know, again, I don't think that, and again, as a partner, so say I approach you, even even in the, the conversation that we're having now is viewed on a, on, the, on a microscopic level as a conflict of some kind. You and I are discussing ideas that could potentially conflict with each other. Yes. If I sat here and submitted to everything that you have said to me for every episode of every podcast we have ever done, that wouldn't be a very interesting show, would it? No. And people probably wouldn't listen. I mean, if you guys are listening, you can tell us, right? <laughs> so there has to be adversity. There has to be conflict. It has to exist in order for us to grow as people, um, as living beings. And having that physical display of weakness creates a, how do I say that? A, uh, a, a chink in our armor, so to speak. Okay. You know? Um, again, you know, you look at the, like a vulnerability that something, somebody else could, you know, take advantage of possibly, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, like I've heard, you know, women complain about their significant others, you know, he doesn't tell me his, you know, he doesn't talk to me about how he's feeling like, well, he can't tell you that he feels like a piece of shit because 
you know, every day when he wakes up and because he failed at something, you know, or because his boss is a douchebag and treats him like shit and he comes home and he feels like a failure because he has to suffer through this to provide for his family, even though he hates his fucking life, he's not going to tell his wife that. Why would he? Why would he tell her that? Because in his mind, that's a failure. That is weakness. And she will use, not, not necessarily she will use that, but she will view that as him being a less than desirable partner. Some people could. Society would say that. So, um, it, but again, I think it's more than society. I think that there is some proof to that. Not not that I can simply source off the top of my head right now, but, you know, uh, again, look at the way you approach women. You know, you approach them with the idea of, what's up, girl? Right? Rather than, oh, hi. Oh, yeah, I- I'm at. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess I. Yeah, I have a podcast, right? No, you're like, what's up, lady? I'm Matt. I'm, you know. Oh, yeah. I love doing podcasts. Me and my buddies, we talk, we do this, we do that. I do jujitsu. I go train on the range. Even though that that's way too many fucking hobbies, you know. know, Even that that stuff in and of itself really truly means nothing to the individual. What you're doing is letting them know that a you are capable of responsibility and that you are capable of support providing as a male that and they're part of the relationship you know biologically we are even built differently women's bodies are built biologically different than men right so you know i so yin and the yang i believe I like that the, I think they complement each other very well absolutely you know and there are many things that women do that i as a man cannot and will never be able to do uh you know I mean, obviously, as a man, I can be caring and compassionate towards other individuals, but we see it a lot more easily for women to care about people, and men have a tendency to care about things. So, for example, the disparity between the difference between women nurses and male nurses versus male engineers to female engineers, right? You know, because, like, the whole patriarchy thing, that, that... you know, that the world is driven by hyper-successful men and that men suppress women on a daily basis. To me, that's a bunch of fucking horseshit. I hate that. I hate the feminist movement. I think they're all a bunch of fucking turds, right? Because here's the thing. As a male, right, um, males dominate the uh, pipe fitters industry. Males dominate the high-rise crane operator industry. Males dominate the military. Um yeah, and it's not that the, the women can't do those other things. It's just they're they're typically not drawn to it. Absolutely, it's not that it's not open to them. It's not. It's available to them. You know, it's like, but most of them choose not to go do that, and that's fine. There's nothing yeah, wrong. No, with that. there's like, nothing wrong with that. Why is this being pushed as an issue? Because it's a non-issue. But that's the whole point I'm making is that you know they say that there is a disparity. Women will be paid less on average for competing in the same job that men are. Well, well, that's all been disproven. That's all bullshit. I know, we, we know because that. there's a trait that are that is generally amongst men more than it is women, and that is the lack of agreeability, right? So, you know, I've talked to my wife, and she's come home and told me, you know, hey, I, you know, at work today, they taught me to run this new machine, and I'm like, oh, that's great. Did you ask for a raise? Well, no. I'm like, why not? Well, you know, I mean, they just this is what they need from me. I'm like, so. More responsibility equals more pay, right? So for me, every machine you teach me to run, I go to my boss and I say, hey, 
I can run this machine, this machine, and this machine. I am valued to you at this much. You will pay me that. You don't want to pay me that? That's fine. Oh, man, I forgot the how to run this third machine. I just can't figure this fucking thing out. You <laughs> Find know? somebody else to do that, bud. Exactly. You know, and I have said to her, go in there and ask for a raise. Every time they put you on a new machine and they train you on it, you, at the end of the day, you stop in your boss's office. You say, hey, I want to talk to you about a raise today, tomorrow, whatever. Why would I do that? Because you... Because I'm taking on more responsibility. I'm exactly. more profitable to you. So... I think that women are generally more agreeable than men, meaning that they are more likely to take a position that includes lower pay than a man. Not not because their boss inherently knows that they should pay a woman less than a man. Yeah. Um, but again, what I did before I did the training, you know, water well drilling, I never had a female rig hand or a female driller. Now, I'm not saying that there's some that don't exist because I've met a couple. They, they exist. I've met a couple of them. And I'll tell you what, some of those ladies got bigger balls than some of the men I've met in my life. You know, those are some hardcore sons of bitches. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, um, that whole disparity, uh, whether financially or whatever, well, you know, I mean, the suicide rate for men is significantly higher than it is for women. You Although know? women attempt it more. Uh, if I understand correctly, women attempt suicide more. But they're just usually not as successful as men are. So uh, that leads me to my next point. Uh, how how dedicated were they to actually committing suicide? I mean, again, so again, it's a multivariate. Yeah, you, you know that knows? we can't. Who knows? And again, I mean, scientists are. I mean, scientists like psychologists are probably yeah like worried about that all the time. Like, well, is it is it a cry for help? Do they do they just need attention? Like, is it a problem for some of it? Absolutely, mm-hmm. you know, but. Uh, who knows? I don't know. So basically what I'm getting at is I do not believe that there are dedicated gender roles, that women need to be repressed by men and that they need to stay home. Like by, by all means, you as a woman should be able to enter the workforce and do everything that a man should be able to do. I think that socially women have a harder time making that choice than men because their options are significantly time limited. And what I mean by that is women have to pick between bearing children or creating a hyper successful career right those Typically, are their options yeah. it's, it's, it's it's rare to be able to do both it is very easy for men or men are more likely to sacrifice the idea of being being a father to be a hyper successful businessman versus a woman more inclined to sacrifice being a mother and not to mention how many women do you know who were all about their careers and went to college and were excited and they were coming out and they were kicking ass and taking names. And then they had their first child. Like, you know what? I would this rather is, be a mom. This is the most important thing I can do is put my time and energy into my child. Absolutely. So they quit their jobs. Absolutely. It happens all the time. I don't blame them one bit. No. And, and in a way that to me is very admirable because you it's have It's the most difficult job in the world. Yeah. You have literally taken the job on of creating a human life i mean what more job could be more stressful than that yeah. and not only that but the the consequences of that leading up to the next 18 years of your life 18 years and nine months baby <laughs> you know so excuse me so i i feel as though yes there are disparities in our society but i think that people are viewing them incorrectly i do not believe in equal outcome i believe in equal opportunity 
you should get I think out. That's what the you big put in. thing that's been lost recently. Is everyone wants this equal outcome? Absolutely. Oh, everyone, everyone deserves this. Everyone has that. Like, no, you got to go out there and fucking earn it. But again, to what end do we start to? Because something has to give to make that a possibility. Somewhere, someone along the line is going to have to sacrifice for that. Um, and generally, the people who have to sacrifice are the people who have generally earned, you know, that that right to yep. have that. Yep. You know, and you know, I've heard people say tax the rich, and I'm like, you do realize that those they pay more in taxes than you'll make in a year, right? You know, and they're like, well, they should. They're a millionaire. I'm like, do you know how he got to be a millionaire? Because he spent the last 25 of his years of his life working in an office missing christmases missing thanksgivings missing birthdays yeah probably go- going through multiple marriages because they were never around they were only focused absolutely. on their career and everything else like there's lots of heartache in that but mm-hmm. all they see later is the money absolutely and the success they don't see the struggle absolutely you know so so this idea that men have it better than women i do not agree with that do I think men have it harder than women? No. I think we all struggle equally in different aspects of our life. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, the struggles are different just for different reasons. But again, that brings me back to the idea of men showing weakness. I think that in and of itself is very difficult for us to do based on our gender because of the roles that we have created for ourselves in this animalistic nature of us surviving and navigating life. Um Weakness is not necessarily a good thing uh, for the most part. Um, I do believe vulnerability is good, but weakness is not. Um, You know, and that's like people talk about pacifism and, you know, the rebuttal of violence and such. You know, that's like uh, I was watching something the other day and they were talking about uh, pacifism and like uh, Gandhi. For example, you know, they're like, he, uh, uh, you know, he, he is completely against violence. And like, we do realize what it took for him to get there, right? Like a lot of fucking heartache and a lot of fucking struggles and a lot of fighting. I mean, maybe not physically, you know, but I'm sure that if he was required to, he would commit extreme violence if necessary. I mean, he's even been quoted saying if it, if it's for the, you know, saving your life or the life of another, then you should act thusly and quickly and without remorse. It's, you know, I mean, that was, that's what Buddha taught. And, and, you know, the other religions, it tells you in there, you know, if, if, if it's in defense of your life or the life of another, strike first and strike swift, you know, it's just, I think that we need to understand that struggle in and of itself is required for us to exist in this world. And yes. It's required for us to grow and to, and to, be, and happy. to be happy. Um, and this idea that we should create a bubble wrapped society for people, you know, oh, because we don't want to hurt their feelings. Fuck your feelings. Your feelings do not dictate me. My feelings dictate me. Your feelings dictate you. Your feelings do not dictate me. Yep. Right. My well-being is more important than anybody's feelings. And, uh, you know, I always jokingly, but again, with every joke, there's a kernel of truth. I will tell people, if I say anything that offends you, you should blame your parents because they raised a pussy. <laughs> and, and again, it's it's because the idea is simply that by being offended, you are making the conscious decision to take to heart the things that are said to you. And and as Dennis had said previously in the episodes, if you're offended by something, it's probably because deep down you know it's true. There's a lot of truth to that statement. 
because if, you know, you called me, I don't know, a stupid face or whatever, and I'm like, okay, come on, dude. Like, I know that I'm not that ugly. I know I don't look that stupid. Whatever. You know, but if I have been struggling for the past couple of weeks thinking, oh, man, you know, I look like an idiot all the time, you know. And somebody said to me, yeah, you, you, you know, you idiot. I'm like, oh, shit. Maybe I really am. Maybe I really yeah, am well, an idiot. If you're inside your own head, you can struggle with that for sure. So, you know, I think that that adversity is required. We need to be able to struggle. We have to. There's there's an old saying I remember from years ago that I had heard. And it's like, there, there's two ways you can go through life. You can take the easy path now and your life will get harder. Yep. In the end. It's like, or you can take the difficult path now and suffer and strive and work yep. and, 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 and do all the hard things and life will get easier. So it's like, it, the choice is yours mm-hmm. and everyone wants to take the easy path. And it's like, you know what? No, you've got to take the difficult path. You've got to work through some things. You've got to figure some shit out. Absolutely. To actually have a good life later, in my opinion. So uh, that, that makes me happy that you have attempted to reach out to friends and even a professional. Um, that brings me personally as your friend, a lot of comfort because now I know that you're taking the steps to improve, to be happy, to be joyful and excited for life, not simply existing. Existing. Yeah. You know, and just going through the motions like I was Mm -hmm. when I was like going through my breakup and I was in my deep depression because that's the one that's most most prevalent, mm-hmm. like it's close. Obviously, my divorce was probably the same thing, but it was so far, like so far back. I can't remember all of what I was going through yeah. while I was going through it. Yeah. Although, obviously, it lasted for years. Like it was difficult mm-hmm. to get through, you know. But even when I like when I, after my last breakup, like my uh, my I had probably two or three close friends who said, "Hey, like, are you okay? Like, are yeah. you suicidal? Are you having bad thoughts?" I'm like, mm-hmm. "No, no, no, no. I'm good. Like, I'm I'm, I'm hurting." Yeah. Like, I'm down in the dumps, but I'm good. Like, don't yeah. you worry about that. Like, I decided, again, years ago, mm-hmm. that nothing in this life is worth me taking my own life yes. for for that reason. Like, just because I'm sad. Yeah. Like, that is, I'm good. Like, don't you worry about that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm struggling. I need your help to get through this. But, yeah. like, don't worry about that. I'm not, you're not going to, you know, get a call someday from a, a close friend of mine who found me dead in my yeah. own house because I took my own life. That's not going to happen. Yeah. We're good there. No, and that's so I remember when I was, you know, at the height of me struggling with the stuff between me and my wife and Ian Dennis, you know, who'd been on episodes with us. He 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 pulled me off to the side one day and he goes, hey, man, I know you're hurting. I know you got a lot of shit going on. He goes, and I know you're not going to like to hear this question, but I got to ask it. He goes, are you thinking about hurting yourself? And I was like, no, man, I, I, I get why you're asking. I get it. You know, uh, and I was in the same boat. Yep. Yes, I'm hurting. Man, I am. I feel like I've been twisted into 17 different knots. I said, but no, you do not need to worry about that. I said, that's so far from my mind that no, yeah. you don't need to worry about exactly. that. Exactly. You know, and I hate having to ask that question because I have another friend who I just had to ask that question to just within the past it's week It's a or difficult two. question to ask. Absolutely. Because you're always afraid of what the answer is going to be. Um, but ultimately, I felt better after I asked and I also made the observation that I feel like when somebody asks you that, even though it's a hard question to hear, I think it also brings a little bit of gravity to the situation when you realize, oh shit, this person really does care. I'm not actually alone in this. Alone. Yeah. You know? So 
the idea that, again, that you've reached out to try to create some kind of improvement to your situation really makes me feel a lot better, Matt. It really does, man, because uh, obviously if I didn't catch it, I wouldn't have said anything. And of course. I, I, I made that comment to you that day, and, and obviously last night when you had texted me about the episode and I told you I'd check and let you know, and, you know, the one message I had sent you, you know, do we need to talk about anything before the podcast? And I just wanted to make sure that, make sure my buddy's all right. No, you know? it's like, again, like, because I had another talk with another friend of mine about, hey, you got to be careful what you put out there. It's going to be, like, I get it. Like, I understand why you're yeah. saying that, but I've been wrestling with this for months. And, like, yeah. I feel like it's time. And, like, just just having this conversation, like, I feel good about it. Yeah. You know, it's like, I mean, we got a bunch of stuff out there. Like, and it's, it's not negative or positive. It's just the truth. It's just what happened. It's how I was feeling. It's how you were feeling. Yeah. Like, and we're just there. But. So it's like, I mean, I, I feel good about getting this out because hopefully somebody else needs to hear this and realize that, hey, things are going to be all right. Yeah, it might, yeah. might hurt right now, might suck right now, but things are going to be good. Like, just keep pushing forward, do the right things to make yeah. yourself better. Was, was I was talking to another close friend of mine who they're going through a very difficult time right now, you know, and I was talking about like, like, how are you feeling? Like, I'm fucking depressed. Like, I'm hurting. Yeah. You know, like, things are not good right now. Like, I've only got a couple of really positive things in my life right now. And I and I, I don't feel like I'm going through the motions. I'm trying to be a better person. I'm trying to be happy. You know, but it's like, but again, like, we had the, the pandemic that hit. And I had just come out of a depression. Then I went, like, back into a depression. Mm-hmm. And then we're working through all of that. And that's been so overwhelming in my mind that it's been difficult to deal with. And then... And then unfortunately, like my mom got really sick and mm-hmm. then she passed away kind of suddenly. Mm-hmm. But granted, she'd been sick for years, but yeah. she just went downhill really, really fast, fast right at the end. And then after that, like I lost a very close friend and mentor of mine to COVID. And it was like, what the fuck? Like you're only like 10 years older than me and you've mm-hmm. always been so healthy. And yeah. like, how could this get you? Like, I mean, I get, yeah, you were sick. Like I understand. Mm-hmm. Like maybe even you were really sick. Okay, cool. But the fact that it took his life is like, Oh my God, I, I can't even believe this. And then another friend of mine, like a couple months later, like they, yeah. they got stomach cancer and just, you got Gone. two days to live. Like, holy fuck. Like, I wish I had some time to process this. Yeah. I would have loved to seen you for last time and say goodbye, but I didn't get a chance because yeah. they were so goddamn sick. And it's like, goddamn, I need a fucking break right now. Like, holy shit. Yeah. So it's, it's like, so I mean, like you saw me, like you asked that question in the middle of all that. Mm-hmm. Like, I like lost three people in like four months. Yeah. They were super fucking close to me. You know, and it's like, like, holy shit, like, how do I deal with all this? Yeah, and it's like, all I can do is do what I am doing, like, put one foot in front of the other, yeah. like, try to live my best life, like, enjoy the time that I had with those people, cherish those those memories, like, I'll never get them again, like, they're yeah. fucking gone, unfortunately. And it's like, I think about all the time, and I'm like, oh, I want to call this person. Fucking can't. Holy shit. Like, it then just, it hits you, and I get sad, and I start, yeah. I start tearing up, and it's like, it's okay. This is normal. It's part of the grieving Absolutely. process, you know? So it's like, I really hope that things are fucking going to turn. And I'm really excited for this year. I really am. Like, I know it's had like a really shitty start for me just because I've lost so many people in the last mm-hmm. few months. But it's like, you know what? Like, it's got to get better. You know, you, you see it happen all the time with, with the pandemic bullshit. Yeah. Like, like mandates are coming down. Like, you don't have to wear masks anymore. Like, like you hear of like other states, like they're opening up and yeah. opening more things up. Like, I mean, the, the irrevocable damage that we've done to our small businesses because someone else deemed them unessential mm-hmm. is fucking criminal, and I need to talk about that. That's going to have to come up on another episode coming up because it really infuriates me that fucking 
I hate to say it this way, like Taco Bell. You're saying Taco Bell is fucking essential, mm-hmm. but some other person's business isn't? Fuck yeah. you. Like, yeah, what that's, he's, he's that's using rid- to provide for his that's family. That's ridiculous. And great, I love Taco Bell. Don't get me wrong. That's like my guilty oh, pleasure. Oh, i get down with some T-Bell. <laughs> that's my guilty pleasure. But, but God damn it, like, who fucking decides? It's fucking lawyers who can, like, lawyer up and do that. But it's like, I'm done with all that bullshit. But, yeah. but all that stuff's starting to go away. People are stopping, mm-hmm. focusing on that because everybody's realizing it's all bullshit. Like, we're all good. Look, let's get out there and live our lives. That's all I want to do is live my life. And now, honestly, if Coach hadn't opened up the gym and I wasn't in there doing that, like, I might have lost my mind a little bit over the mm-hmm. last two years. I would have definitely had to find something else to do outside or doing something yeah. where somebody can't tell me I can't do it because fuck you, I'm outside. Yeah. You can't tell me I can't be out in a park playing disc golf. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me I can't be out on a, a golf course hitting golf balls. Like yep. You can't fucking tell me I can't do this shit because I'm not in danger of anybody. Everybody else is away from me. Like, get the fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, stop your bitch and get away from me. But now that's just where I'm at now. But so I was I was going through, obviously, all of that when you're like, hey, man, you OK? Like, no, I'm, I'm really not. But I'm doing mm-hmm. the best I can. And we're going forward. And, you know, it's like. Like my therapist had told me, it's like, it's going to suck until it doesn't. Yeah. So all we can do is move forward. And like, I just, I'm trying to be happy with myself instead of relying on somebody else to make me happy. That's why I'm trying to do all the things that I love to do. And I love doing this. I love sitting down with friends. I love bullshitting. I love having drinks with friends. And and I mean, I I like the feeling I get when I'm a little buzzed. I like Mm -hmm. it. I don't, I don't get drunk, drunk anymore where I'm worried about being hung over and throwing up. I don't do that shit. But it's like, I want to have a few drinks. I want to get a good buzz and I want to enjoy people. Just enjoy life. Yes. Mm -hmm. Life's fucking short. Let's, it was like, like, like you had said in the earlier part of the podcast here, I might be to the point where there's more birthdays behind me than ahead of me. Mm -hmm. Like I am realistically halfway through my life. So it's like, potentially let's, let's fucking make the best of this shit you know and i got i had that talk with my daughter when she was home for christmas you know and i t- i said that you know she's like don't say that i don't want to think about that i'm like no like we have to think about this absolutely like like because we just lost grandma like my mom like mm-hmm. it was a tough time for her is like we have to be able to talk about these things yeah. to be able to move forward and it's sad and it's scary <laughs> and i get it but it's just a fact of life it's not negative or positive it's just the truth Yep, and that's so. So there's a. I like to read. So there's a, a thing in Greek mythology, and there's there was a bunch of gods, and they're kind of standing around doing what gods do, and uh, I don't even remember how the subject is brought up, but basically what they're saying is that gods are better than humans, blah blah blah, because they're ominent beings, they're all powerful, blah blah, and one of them pipes up and says no i disagree humans live happier lives there and and so that makes them better you know and they were questioning that belief you know what why do you believe that and the idea was simply that well we're gods right so we're immortal we last forever we we have been here since the beginning of time we will be here till the end of time but the human has Life, life is finite life is finite so that means every meal you eat is that much more tasty. The sky is that much more blue. The the grass is that much greener. Um you know, the 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 touch of a, of another person, of a, your partner is that much sweater. Yeah, a hu- much, just a hug from a friend. Yeah. 
You know, like just just the regular embrace of people. I don't know why, especially like as men, like we're so afraid to embrace each other. It's like when I see friends, like I give them a hug. Yeah. It's like I love you. Like you know, like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll fist bump you. I'll do whatever yeah. you're comfortable with. I don't care. But it's like I got zero problems. You know, it's like hugging some some yeah. dude out in public, and pe- some people are like that's weird. I'm like I don't care. So I love that person. Like. In order to be weird, you must first care what other people think. <laughs> and I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. We were just joking about it. So I went and we had a social evening last night at a friend's house. It was me and my wife and him and his wife. And we were joking about how when we're out in public, I love to embarrass my wife. I love to make people look at me like I'm the weirdest son of a bitch sitting in the restaurant. So the other night we went to a restaurant, a Mexican restaurant, and... We walked in and said, hey, table for two. Okay, it's going to be about a 15-minute wait. Could you please wait in your vehicle? And the, the waiting room was packed anyway. So, yeah, no problem. So we go out in the car, and we're laughing and joking and having a good time. My phone rings. It's them. Okay, here's a table for you. I said, okay, we'll be right in. And the guy goes, okay, thank you. And I go, all right, love you. And I hung up real quick, you know. And Courtney, she, like, looked at me. She goes, what would you say to him? And I was like, I said, I love you. You know, and she goes, why would you say that? And I'm like, because it's funny because he didn't know what to say back, you know? <laughs> and so I like to mess with the waiters and like, there's a movie, an Adam Sandler movie called Just Go With It. And it's him and uh, Jennifer Aniston. And he's created this fake life for this girl he's trying to marry and blah, blah, blah. And they meet this really just, uh, how do I, just really, he's a dick, you know, he, he tells everybody he invented the iPhone and this and that and the other. So there's a scene where they're sitting at dinner and the waitress comes up and kind of leans across him at the table to fill up his wine glass. And he snatches the glass and he's like, don't pour over me. You know, don't pour over me. I will bring my glass to you. We went to dinner the other night and we were having a good time with the waitress. She had a good sense of humor and she went to reach across in front of me to pour the water in the glass and obviously my wife gets the reference so i was like whoa don't pour over me and then i had to explain to the waitress why i thought it was funny and blah blah blah. she (laughs) thought it was funny and she goes you should have said that without any kind of pre-context she goes i wouldn't have known what to say so i like to have that moment of uh playfulness that uh you know, when people kind of look at you out of the corner of their eye, and they're people like, People are so stuck weird. up, and they're so worried yeah. about what everybody else thinks. Like, exactly. Lighten the fuck up. Like, exactly. If you can't laugh at yourself, we got problems. So, so yeah, I like to do that stuff to people. You know, she, I remember in years past, she would be ordering a pizza, and, you know, we'd get a pepperoni and bacon pizza, and I'd, from the background, i say, murder that bitch with bacon, you know? <laughs> and then the guy, you know, she, he, what, what, what did you just say? She goes, nothing, that's my husband, you know? And I'm like, just tell them, tell them I said it, you know? <laughs> and uh, just like I said, we like to, I like to do stuff like that. I like to joke with people and have a good time. And I like to make people question the very fiber of what's happening. You know, like yeah. I said. Let's uh, actually enjoy this trip that we're on. Exactly. Let's have a good time. You know, so for me to look at a wait, waiter or waitress or a host or hostess or whatever, and, uh, you know, they're like, okay, you know, here's your seat, you know, blah, blah. And say, okay, thank you. Love you. And what? What did you just say? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I love you. You know, or I like to say it to customers as they're walking out the door, you know, just kind of in a funny way, you know, they'll be walking out the door. I'll say, okay, love you, bye. You know, um, or uh, just, just little stuff like that. I like to make people pause and think, like, what did that guy just say to me? <laughs> because 
it's fun. It it engages you with individuals who otherwise I would have had zero contact with. Yeah. You know, it's like this morning on my way here, I stopped at the gas station and picked up an extra Red Bull. And uh You had two? Damn. Double fisting? Well the, one <laughs> one's for in the fridge for tomorrow. Um so I stopped at the gas station and the lady, you know, I walked up the counter and uh she goes, Hi, how are you? And I said, Oh, I'm good. If I was any better, I'd be two fucking people, you know? And and she didn't have a sense of humor. She just was like, okay, whatever, dude. You know, she, maybe she was having a bad day. I don't know. But she basically just dismissed the comment. And so I just kind of stood there awkwardly for a second. And I said, oh, if you believe that lie, I'll tell you another one. And then I got a teeny tiny chuckle out of her. And, you know, but in that moment, I was like, okay, I broke through there. You know, I I, I broke, broke, broke that wall down yeah, just yeah. a tad, you know. Do I think that that will change her day? Probably not. Do I think she'll remember me if I ever go back in there? Yeah, well, probably. Because well, probably not. Because maybe so many people come through there. Who knows? But maybe yeah. I don't know. But uh, you know, it's just that idea of what. What if me making that comment made their day better? Yeah. What if just they were having that, a rough day and like, okay, that's kind of funny. Okay, need to relax. I'm being kind of hard on myself. What about for have a better day? Today? Just that moment, they forgot all about their problems. Because they got an opportunity to laugh at me because I was being stupid, stupid yeah, or okay. not abnormal, you know, or like, that. like, and it's kind of falls in the same line, you know, like whenever I pass construction on the road, you know, you got the guy out there that waves a sign. I will always wave at those guys. I don't care if they don't wave back. I wave at both of them, the in and the out guy. And I've had people ask me, you know, why do you do that? I'm like, well, you know how much suck, you know how bad it would suck just stand there and hold a sign all fucking day. That fucking sucks. I've done it. Like, <laughs> that sucks. Uh, one, uh, because you know I'm just trying to acknowledge them as human beings, and two, because of the position that they're in, that's that's still a fairly dangerous occupation. It's a very know? dangerous occupation. You know, most people aren't paying attention when they're driving. They're texting. They're mad because exactly. they're late. They're so, they're beeping their horn like I want to get through your get on the way like. Calm down. They're just doing their job, dude. Chill so out. So by me waving at them, they know I see them. They're not afraid of me anymore. They're not afraid of me hitting them in my vehicle because I see you, and I've physically shown that to you because I've simply waved my hand at you. And again, you know how many people wave at the guy that fucking flips the street sign? You know, nobody gives a shit about that guy. Yeah, you know, one out like, of a thousand. Yeah, you know, uh, or, or the trash guy. You know, the the guy that picks up your trash can at the end of your driveway every Friday. You know, that guy wakes up, goes to work, and he does that to provide for his family. And, you know, he doesn't do it for the guts and the glory. Yeah, but if I'll you tell don't you think what, that's an important job. Absolutely. Like, go talk to people in New York when there was, like, a big garbage strike and there was piles of it in the streets. In the streets, yeah. you know, and that's so. If you don't think that's an important job. You know, oof. and that was only, like, a week or two, I believe. I don't remember. You no, know, that wasn't very long. I know it was bad. But uh, ultimately. You know, the people who are underappreciated are the people I try to show my appreciation to the most. So, like, when I was drilling, you know, nobody would walk outside and hand me a $20 bill and be like, hey, man, here's a tip. This is for you busting your ass. You know, but I have had people bake me homemade blueberry pies, bring me out a cup of coffee on a cold winter day. Uh, And I probably shouldn't even be saying this, but, you know, we've had guys... Bring us out a nice cold beer on a fucking hot August day when we were out there working our ass off all day. You know, and the old boy, he finally come home from work. 
He went in the garage and he grabbed three cold beers and he handed me one. The guy I was working with one, and he stood there and one with in his hand, you know. And and to me that that idea is twofold. The first one is that you're showing appreciation for the people who are severely underappreciated, just on the average. But you're creating a sense of understanding because that that we could have been three friends standing in the garage drinking a beer and nothing about yeah, no the, different. the situation, our demeanor, our attitude, nothing would have changed. For that moment in time, we were simply three men um, sharing a common goal, and that and that was just to uh, be happy. Yeah. In that in that moment, I think so many people, especially like who go to college or do whatever, they think that you know blue collar workers are beneath mm-hmm. them, and there's problem. Like no, like these are the people that make our society run properly, and like that's a noble job that they're yeah. doing, and we should treat them as such. People in construction, like doing mm-hmm. drilling stuff, like that, garbage, you know, collection, like whatever. It doesn't matter what they do. It's like those things make society work. Absolutely. And we've got to have people to do them. And we should be very appreciative of the ones who choose to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's like, I mean, if you look at the average age of the over-the-road truck driver right now, the average age of the over-the-road truck driver is 50? right 59. 50, oh, are you shitting me? 59. 59. Damn. Right? I mean, I expect so, it to be higher because the young kids aren't going into that. But damn. So, again, that that what do you think about that? I mean, how many friends did you know? Maybe not even friends, just kids you went to school with growing up who had a dad that was an over the road truck driver, you know, and, uh, there was a sacrifice made to provide, but I guarantee you that most of those men, most of those men probably didn't struggle with self-worth issues. No. You want to know why? Because they had responsibility. They created responsibility for themselves, you know, um, and, and I'm sure that, that men in, in previous uh, lives and, and history have struggled with things like depression and self-worth issues. But, you know, my grandpa, for example, um, I mean, I'm pretty well sure that he knew he was a man's man and that, that when the rubber met the road, that he would do what was needed to be done. Same thing with my father. Um, and for me, I feel like that that idea uh, started to fade because of the way we treat people, the participation trophies and, and all that stuff. So we've created an environment for people where if they aren't feeling appreciated or valued, they become sad and depressed. And, and so in that moment of time between adult or between childhood and adulthood during our teenage and very early adulthood years where we are uh, molding ourselves permanently for the rest of our lives and who we intend on being, um, I feel like because we have lived the majority of our life at that point being coddled and protected, um, that that creates a false sense of responsibility or not even, you know, a lack of responsibility, which causes people to be more susceptible to being depressed, suicidal, uh, anxious and you know just on the whole uh, not mentally well fit um you know my dad instilled a very hard work ethic in me um you know there were certain things that he would tell me growing up and and again it may sound very cliche on the surface but it meant it it went a lot deeper than that 
you know, one I can remember is my dad used to always tell me, if you can't pay for it in cash, you don't need it that bad. You know, and on the surface that, yeah, the, the message is if you, you know, basically don't buy stuff you can't afford. I mean, it's it's a good principle to learn. Of like, if there's something you want, save up for it and buy it. Yeah. Now, again, in the society we live in, that's not exactly how everything works. You know, nowadays, every person who has a driver's license probably has a debit or credit card. You know, nobody pays with cash anymore for the majority. Yeah. Um, now, again, as when my dad was a child, that they didn't that didn't exist. I mean, you if you didn't pay for it in cash, you didn't get it. You know, I mean, yeah, like car payments and shit like that. But ultimately, you know, you couldn't go to the grocery store, get a week's worth of groceries and swipe it on a credit card and then pay for it a month later. You walked you in the grocery the store yeah, and you walked out with what you could afford. So, you know, that created this idea of if you can't pay for it, you know, up front, you don't need it that bad. But again, as I get older and I, I look into the deeper meaning of that, you know, what he was really trying to teach me was work hard and you will have the things that you desire. Because how do you get money? Well, you work and work for it, right? You work for it. Well, what is work? That's a responsibility, right? Yep. Work is a, a dead, uh, an agreement. To, for most people, it's the, the exchange of their time for dollars. Absolutely. That in, cor- that in and of itself is a responsibility. So, yes. you know, through responsibility, we create purpose. And through purpose, we create happiness. Do The idea is simply that we should create responsibility that is that we are capable of accommodating. Now, obviously, we can create responsibilities that we cannot uh, accommodate, that we just can't control. We can't manifest into a completed or finished goal. But ultimately, we need to have some kind of internal and external responsibility as human beings. Otherwise, uh, the whole system falls apart, you know. Um Coming back to the idea of of what my dad was trying to teach me was just that you you have to work for the things that you want in this life. You know, nothing that is worth a shit ever came easy to anybody. That's that's exactly the case. You know, and I was thankful that I was been had been thrown in with some of the guys that I had an opportunity to work alongside, for example, the one guy, and I, again, I've talked about him on this podcast. His name is Kenny Shriver. We call him Spike. Uh, saltiest son of a bitch ever walked the face of the earth, I could imagine. Uh, the dude is as tough as rattlesnake piss. And the guy is 75, 76 years old, and he is still out there drilling and working every day, not because he has to, but because he wants to. Because it's so ingrained in him that that is his responsibility. And he has said to me, I am not ready to sit around and do nothing yet. So what he is openly admitting to me is that without this responsibility of coming to work every day. He would day, have no purpose in his he life. He would have no purpose, yeah. and which would probably be the end of his life. Absolutely. Not through his own hand. No, but no, just no. That, that's very that, common when people retire. They sit around, they do nothing, and they usually pass away in a few years. So, you know. You know, that being able to work side by side with that gentleman, you know, um, I saw him accomplish things that I never thought would ever be a, even remotely accomplishable. 
um, you know, he taught me the idea of not having the word no in my vocabulary when it came to work, working, you know, having a very strong work ethic. Um, you know, he was very dedicated to the company. I remember <laughs> our lunch breaks at old bastard we'd be sitting there having lunch and he'd look down at his watch and he goes well that's 29 minutes buddy by the time we get out of the truck and walk back to the rig and get it fired up that'll be about a minute that'll be a 30 minute lunch break and i'm like are you fucking kidding me bro like i i can sit here and finish my cigarette or you know we can sit here in the ac and let let us cool off a little bit or you know sit in the heat man you know it's cold outside nope that's not how this works he pays me to work says I get a half hour lunch break, that's my half hour lunch break and I am back to work. You know, <laughs> uh, another example, I remember coming in very early in the morning, or I shouldn't say very early, I was there on time and so I would walk in the break room, we started at 7, I'd walk in at 7, I would go up to the coffee pot, I'd get a cup of coffee, I'd walk out to the garage and I'd pull a cigarette out and I'd light it and I'd stand there and be smoking my cigarette, drinking my coffee. That probably sounds pretty normal to you, right? Yeah. Not to him. If I wanted to stand there and drink my coffee and smoke my cigarette, that meant you were here at 645. Because at 7 o'clock, we start working. Okay. I see how this is. It's the dedication. It's the responsibility of yeah. being a good employee. Yeah. You know, um, to him, that was what it meant to go to work. If you wanted to stand around and smoke your cigarette and drink your coffee, that meant you were there before seven o'clock because yeah. work. You do that at your starts, time, not work time. Start work starts at seven. If you want to stand here and smoke a cigarette, drink coffee, you need to be here early. Okay, fair point. You know, and and so again, that idea translated over into a lot of other things that he did. You know, that dedication to doing the right thing, being the best that he can be for his position, whatever that may be, at home, at work, uh, you know. Um, I watched that man take on responsibility for other people that he didn't have to, but he did it because he knew it was the right thing to do. Even though that caused him personal, emotional, and financial heartache, uh, in the end, he did it because, and he even verbalized it to me, it was the right thing to do, Ethan. Didn't matter what it made me feel. What matters is what the outcome, you know, what the goal accomplished. Yeah. And that was creating decent human beings to continue on. Those are good words to live by. <laughs> you know, so I think about those things. I think about people like that in my life who have shown me really what it takes to be a good person, to be a good man, to be a good husband, to be a good employee to be a good employer. Um, and I try to reflect on that and I try to remember those things. And, uh, you know, I have a, a million different ways in how I can articulate what I try to feel and think on a daily basis when it comes to all these different ideas and ideologues, I guess. Um, you know, I, I I feel like I feel like I'm trapped in that cycle that we were kind of explaining. The smarter I feel, the dumber I feel. The dumber I feel, the more depressed I get. The more depressed I get, the more I feel like I should push myself to be better. 
which makes me smarter, which makes me learn, which makes me grow, which makes me come back to the idea of, I don't know shit, which <laughs> makes me fucking depressed because I'm like, man, look at all this hard work I've done and I'm still, you know, I feel like there's no way to end that cycle for me personally. Um, because I think with the idea of that self-awareness, that, that emotional intelligence you are really coming to terms with the fact that nothing in this life is permanent. Nothing is set in stone. Uh, the only thing guaranteed in this life are death and taxes. Yeah, that's true. No, that's it. That's the only guarantee in this life is death and taxes. And again, that's something my mother said to me from the time I was a child till the day she passed away. You know, and like I said, um, I always joke with my buddies and I tell them, you know, you know, mama always had a way of explaining things to me. <laughs> but again, and that's kind of where I get it was because that was how she would explain things to us. She would tell you some kind of quip or quote or, you know, when the going gets tough, the tough get going, right? You know, she would have all different ways of explaining things to us. And that's how I have used that. That's how I also, uh, try to encourage other people to learn and listen and grow. You know, I've already done probably half a dozen for this podcast alone. You know, I just, uh, I've come to realize that the journey for self-enlightenment and self-improvement, self-awareness, uh, emotional intelligence, uh, it does come at a cost. And I think sometimes that cost is your own happiness. Um, but I also believe that I would rather die. I, I would rather live my life and be at the end of my life realizing that everything I had learned was worth all the struggles, the trials and tribulations of acquiring that knowledge and that, that uh, growth, that level of growth, versus me laying on my deathbed thinking, well, I wish I'd have done all this shit. You know, I wish I'd have been a better person or I wish I'd have learned this or learned that or... I wish I could have figured this out. Um, it's difficult, and I, I know that I don't do it every day, but I try to push myself to accomplish something every day that puts me outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. You know. That's, that's how you strive for better things and how you grow. Yeah. On the other side of maximum fear and maximum discomfort lives maximum growth. You know. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, we've been rambling on for quite a while here. <laughs> Let's wrap this bitch up. Do you have any uh, closing thoughts for maybe somebody who's going through a tough time right now and uh, needs needs to hear something? I'm sure I do. Um, just uh, know, one, A, you know, you're not alone. Uh uh, human beings for millions of years have struggled with the same thing that you're struggling with right now, so don't think that you're ever alone. Um, uh, this too shall pass. Feeling good? Well, that'll pass. You feel bad? Well, that'll pass. <laughs> you know, um, I guess the best way to summarize it, <laughs> if I still have just a few more moments, uh, Chinese farmer, you know, uh, uh, his horse broke through the fence, ran away. Neighbors come over. Oh, that's so sad. Your horse ran away. Farmer says, maybe. Uh, a couple days go by, a week, whatever. 
the horse comes back and it's got three other horses with it that followed it back. And you're like, oh, this is great. Your horse brought, you know, more horses back. Yeah, brought you know. good fortune. Yeah, good stuff. fortune. You yeah. say, well, maybe. And the uh, about a week goes by and the farmer's son is out in the stables or out in the arena and he's trying to break one of the horses. Falls off the horse, break, breaks his leg. Neighbors come over. Oh, that's so tragic. Yeah, well, maybe. A uh, week goes by. And the army comes through the, you know, marching through the village, the conscribes, and they, they've taken all the able-bodied human, you know, all the able-bodied men that can go fight because, you know, whatever. Well, his son's got a broken leg, so guess who doesn't get to go? You know, and his neighbor's like, oh, that, you know, your son didn't have to go to the army. And he goes, well, maybe. Uh, so the, the, the idea is that, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. Is this good? Uh, maybe. Is this bad? Eh. Maybe. It depends on your perspective and how Absolutely. you look at things. So, you know, again, uh, through trials and tribulations, that that oh, that struggle, yeah, is it bad? Maybe. Is this what you need? Maybe. Yeah. You know, so uh, maybe there's a reason why you're struggling with what you're struggling with. And if that's the case, um, just know that, you know, on the other end of this uh, tunnel, there is happiness. And enlightenment yeah. and joy. And, and it should, if you treat it the right way, it should make you a better, stronger person. Absolutely. You know, and if, and if you are struggling, which a lot of people are right now, mm-hmm. you know, reach out to somebody if you need to talk to somebody, yeah. whether that's a professional or a close friend or family or whatever you need, you know, like just being able to talk about things usually helps things so much more. And it just, just getting them off your chest, just verbalizing something yeah. usually helps so much. So please... If you need to talk to somebody, talk to somebody and realize that, you know, things will get better. Absolutely. You know, this, it might it might suck for a while, you know, it might suck until it doesn't. That's right. Buddy. But you know what? Like things will get better, I mean, you, but it, it is what you make of things. So Absolutely. make the best that you can, you know, d- do the best you can right now and hopefully strive for better things in the future. Yeah. Well, Ethan... It's always a pleasure. God damn it. This, the, is, this is so much fun. The pleasure is all mine, friend. <laughs> it's always always so good sitting down and talking. We haven't done one of these one-on-one in a long time. Yeah, it's been a while. If ever. Have we ever done a one-on-one? Yeah, we have. Okay. Yeah. I think a couple of our first episodes together yeah. were individual. So, this, is, this is good. We need to do more of this yet. We've well, obviously hey. got some ideas we were talking before we started recording. Of, <laughs> like, we're going to hold off to that. Like, we can make that a podcast. We might do some other things coming up here in the future. Well, and, and real quick, did you get an opportunity to get some stuff off your chest, man? I mean... Again, I've been wrestling with – it's not so much getting it off my chest because I've talked about yeah. a lot of these things, only a couple things I really haven't mentioned before. Um, but for me, it was more about making sure that I was in the right mindset mm-hmm. to be able to talk about these things and hopefully have them be a positive thing for somebody else who might be going through some of the struggles as well. Um, it was it was more about making sure that I was in the my, right mind frame that I was ready to talk about some of these things. And it wasn't just going to be a blubbering mess. I mean, I figured it'd get a little bit emotional, and it did at times. But uh, for me, it was more about just wanting to be in a good mental place to hopefully help somebody else out who might be struggling going through the things that I was going through. Well, as long as you feel as though you've accomplished your end of that goal, I'm happy. Yeah, I feel good about things. I mean, I feel good about good. this, and I'm hoping that it helps somebody out there. I really do. Well, that's all I needed to hear, buddy. So, all right. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah. And uh, we will see you guys next time. Yeah. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. (laughs) Oh, so good. Fuck that was fun.
All right. Well, I'm not exactly sure where to leave this part or add this part in that I forgot to mention on the podcast that I wanted to make sure it got uploaded with this episode instead of doing a separate one. So I'll just add this here at the end and uh, hopefully it, it goes over well. Nonetheless, so if you've gotten this far, obviously it's been a long, long podcast, but bear with me just a few minutes longer as I kind of mentioned some things uh, that I've been struggling with over the last uh, year or so because of this pandemic. So obviously I had some troubles with the first lockdowns and, and all that stuff and sitting at home and not being able to go to the gym and not being able to see my friends and not being able to, you know, I mean, honestly, just go to the bar and have some fun and laughs and jokes with some people because I live alone. So I was just stuck by myself and it was, it was a very rough time. And luckily I still had work that I was going to, uh, to, to keep some social interaction going and to see some people and that, that really kind of got me through that part. But unfortunately, Coming into that next year, so in early 2021, uh, I got laid off of work and I got laid off because of slowdowns because of the pandemic, because all of the things that we were working on at the office were from previous um, jobs and money had already been set aside and allocated and it was already done. So I talked to my boss when the lockdowns first started in early 2020. I was like, hey, you know, are we, are we going to be affected by this? How's it going to happen? Because if so, I think we're going to get hit by the next year or two is when it's going to really affect us. And unfortunately, work started to dry up. We weren't having new projects come in. There wasn't a whole bunch to be working on. And I kept asking my boss, hey, is everything okay? Is everything fine? Do I need to be looking for a job? Is everything cool? And he's like, no, 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 no. we're good. We got a bunch of these projects coming in. And unfortunately, some of them didn't come in and I got let go in February of 2021. And that was uh, a bit of a shock to me because I had a, a seniority over uh, nine other people in my department. So I don't know if it was kind of political because, well, unfortunately, as you guys know, I don't tend to keep my opinions to myself and I tend to tell people exactly how I feel and I'm not going to lie to somebody or kiss somebody's ass. And that, that kind of rubs people the wrong way. So I don't know if it was an excuse of wanting to get rid of me or if it truly was like, hey, we see you as the low man on the totem pole because you don't have your BS degree and a lot of these other you know, people in the department do. So we see them as more valuable. I don't know. Who knows? It's all speculation. I mean, I personally feel like it was some political bullshit. But it is what it is, and I got shit canned. And I've been fired before, you know, laid off, whatever you want to call it. And it's it's not the end of the world because I've always been able to find work. And the longest I've been – because I've been laid off from my very first job out of college because we got slow. But my boss was a great man, Lewis Hinkle. I love that man to death. And he got me some interviews, and I got hired. Literally, I my last day of work was on a Thursday or a Friday. I think it was technically Thursday, but I had to come in Friday and finish some things up. Um, he wasn't there at the office, so it wasn't a big deal. I'm sure he would have yelled at me and told me to go home, but I had some shit to do. So I went in there and finished that up. And uh, and then I started work, I think, Monday or Tuesday. It was Tuesday of that following week. I think I had my second interview Monday morning, and I started work that next day on Tuesday. So that was no big deal. And then... Uh, I left that job after a handful of years. Uh, it was a great place to work. And then I went to work at some bullshit place where they lied to me to get me in there. And I got in there and realized it was horse shit. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to put in a year and I'll start looking. I don't want to just jump ship right away. But they uh, they laid me off after six months because we got slow. And it was fine because I was, I was looking to leave anyway. That was no problem. And uh, I was off work. 
but I'd also just bought a house at that point. So that was kind of a stressful uh, month for me, but I also had five interviews and four job offers in a few weeks. So I was up and working well within, I think, uh, four or five weeks. So that was no big deal. It was stressful when it first happened. But after I had a couple of interviews and a couple of job offers, I realized, okay, well, there's not too many people in the market with, you know, uh, experience. So I, I got I got to kind of pick where I wanted to go and uh, went to the new job. And that, that job is the one that I just got laid off from last year. And I've been there for, I think, uh, a little over five years, something like that. And I loved working for the boss that I had. He was a great man. He really took good care of us. I didn't like some of the politics of the upper management and all the bullshit, but such is life. You know, when you have jobs, you know, we all know, like there's a bunch of bullshit that you got to deal with. And I didn't, didn't care for it and it didn't really suit me well, but uh, I loved working for my boss. I loved the work that I was doing. So I was willing to stick it out for a little while and see how things went. But when I got called into my boss's boss's office and I got shit canned, uh, it was a bit of a surprise to say the least, because I've been asking if everything was fine and everything was fine, but Apparently everything wasn't fine, nonetheless. But uh, so I got laid off in uh, what February, and it took me six months, six months to find a job, and that was the longest I'd ever been laid off. And if we didn't have that extra money coming in from the government, uh, I don't know what they were calling it at the time, um, because I, I got my regular unemployment, which is bullshit money. I mean, it's ridiculous to try to live on that. I mean, get the fuck out of here. And then, but we were getting the extra money every week and that lasted for about four months. And with that, I was still going backwards every month, but it was manageable. You know, it was only a little bit of money. So I was able to kind of eat into some savings and, and float myself and not have to change my real lifestyle. So that was no big deal. Um, again, it was stressful, but it wasn't the end of the world. But when that money stopped, like that's when I get creative and I actually had to go in and, uh, postpone, um, Oh, what do they, what do they call that? They, they gave a, a forbearance. You can get a forbearance on your mortgage. So I was able to stop paying my mortgage for a few months. And then I was able to go back when I got my new job and put things on the back end. So I took those uh, three months that I think was uh, allotted to me in the beginning when you started it. And I took those three months of interest and uh, principal payments and put those in the end of my loan. So that, that, that's what got me through that end of the, uh, the time. But my, uh, my unemployment was running out like just when I was getting hired at my new job. And, and it was so stressful because they took forever to make a decision. And then people were going on vacation and I had to wait for the uppity ups to approve everything. And it was a very stressful time. And I was really struggling with dealing, I mean, with the fact that, Hey, I might have to take like two or three bullshit jobs just to make ends meet while I wait to hear from an actual job that can I, I can actually use as my career to pay my bills. You know, it was it was a very stressful time, but it was interesting while I was laid off is that before when it's happened, I've known that, hey, OK, this sucks. It's not the end of the world. But now your job is to get a job and you get up and you focus and you and you spend all morning or afternoon or whatever it is on the computer and you apply for jobs and you send out resumes and you make follow-up phone calls and, and you do all those kind of things. You know, it's like, again, like you don't have a job. So your job now is to find a job. And I was really struggling 
with being able to find a job that I was actually interested in going into, I probably could have taken another job back in the same industry that I was in, but I was worried that in the next couple of years, I'd have all the same problems. I'd, I'd be the new guy in a new place, and as soon as things got slow, I'd be let go again, and I'd be doing this dancing for the next four or five years while the whole construction industry rebounded from all the shutdowns and the lockdowns and, and all the bullshit from the government. And and I really wanted to get out of that and into something different where I felt more safe and secure, but more importantly, where I could start to grow again. Because I've been treated for the last handful of years like I've got nowhere else to go. And like I'm maxed out and they can't give me more money. And I don't have my BS degree, so they can't promote me and all this kind of stupid stuff. And it's like, I'm doing the same job. Like, what does it matter what you know, the stupid piece of paper from college says, but it means a lot to some people. And unfortunately I had to deal with that. And, and I was really struggling with being laid off is that I know what I should have been doing is I should have been hustling. I should have been staying busy. I should have been spending extra time in the gym or maybe going for walks and losing weight and, and doing all those things. But I had no motivation. I had no motivation to do any of it. And I spent so much time just sitting around my house by myself, talking to no one, feeling bad about it and feeling bad about myself and worried about the future. And it was, it was a very stressful time for me because again, I knew that I should be doing more, but I wasn't. And I was really, really struggling with that. And then I, I talked to some people, you know, some close friends and kind of told them how I was feeling and what was going on. And, and they're like, dude, you're like, you're fucking depressed. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's okay. Like I get it, you know, but you need to start working on how to get out of this. And so I spent some time, you know, kind of focusing on myself and realizing that all the stuff that I've been told in my, not all the stuff, but a lot of the things that I've been told in my life, you know, didn't mean the things that I thought that they did. And I really spent some time soul searching and deciding who I am, what I believe, and where I am going forward. And obviously, I'm still right in the smack dab middle of that, is I'm still dealing with this depression. But I really kind of felt myself turn turn the tide, kind of get over that hump, so to speak, of, of wanting to push forward and change the way that I view the world and how I'm going to attack the world. And I know that that's been a big thing for me in the past few months, um, which which has been helpful. But unfortunately, as I've also had all those those three major deaths in my life, and that's kind of set things back a little bit as well. But it doesn't change uh, the trajectory of where I'm headed or the end state of where I'm going, you know, but it's just kind of, you know, pulled me back into a little bit more of a depression. But I, and during this time, I also was talking to a new doctor and I got some blood work done and I found out that my testosterone levels were down and I would talk to him over the phone. We were doing a, a phone consultation and he said, absolutely, low testosterone could could be for mood swings and problems, you know, because I've been telling myself, it's like, hey, I should, you know, try to lose some weight and I should get in shape and I should do these kind of things over this past year while I've been laid off, the six months that I was laid off, like I had plenty of time to do it, but I had no drive or motivation to do so. And it, it seems strange to me because in the past, I've been able to get myself motivated and get moving and and I just, I just had no drive to do so, even though I was literally telling myself I need to do this. It wasn't like, when I was, you know, when I broke up uh, with my ex and I was just surviving, it wasn't like I was that bad. I mean, obviously I was depressed, I was down, but it wasn't that bad. So I feel like I should have been able to push through. But when the, uh, the initial blood work came back, I found out that my testosterone was low and it's like, Hey, 
maybe this has a lot to do of how I've been feeling and why I've not been able to get motivated and why I'm just sitting on the couch and watching too much TV and YouTube videos and wasting time instead of being proactive and doing things that I need to be doing. You know, but it's not obviously not the end all be all, but I think it's definitely a factor. So hopefully, uh, they put me on some medication to hopefully bring things up. I just took secondary blood work again to see where my levels are, and hopefully they're back up to an acceptable range. And if not, then we'll have to look at maybe doing some TRT or doing something different to get me back up and functioning properly because I know for me, like the brain fog has been crazy over the past couple of years and my memory's going and I'm not remembering things like I used to. And it's just, it's really driving me nuts. So hopefully once we get those things kind of sorted out, maybe things will start to truly get better as I'll have the drive and have the the want to actually get out and do the things that I know that I need to be doing. But nonetheless, um, I just, I wanted to put that part in that I kind of forgot about, you know, because I, I know that a lot of people lost their jobs over all this pandemic stuff. And, and I know exactly how you feel. Trust me, I was there and I was struggling, you know, and I'm still working through it. I'm definitely not in a good place. But I'm definitely better off than I was a year ago while I was just sitting at home, laid off with nothing to do and no hope of going forward. Whereas now, you know, I have hope and and things are good. And I know that things aren't great right now again, but I feel like I'm definitely heading in the right direction. And, And one big thing that I have changed in the last year is that I'm spending much more time with the people that I love. And I'm, I'm trying to cherish the moments and not just be alone because I tend to, when I, I mean, I'm always so busy and I'm running and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And when I get done, I want to just chill out and watch movies or, you know, like chill out, watch Smallville or watch uh, YouTube videos or whatever things that I'm interested in that I don't get to do normally because I'm so busy doing everything else. And I kind of just use that to relax and recharge. And I found that, you know what? I don't need that to relax and recharge. I need that from time to time. Sure. If, if, to sit down a little bit here and there, but for the most part, I need to be spending time with the people that I love. That's where I feel fulfilled and that's where I feel really recharged as I've gotten a little bit older and I definitely value that more than I ever did in my earlier years and that's something that I've made a huge change of in my life and I spent, I, I tend or I plan to do much more of that in the future. All right, well, I'm really going to wrap this thing up. Uh, sorry for taking so long. I see how far it's going. Oh my goodness, it's crazy. But I, I really appreciate you guys all listening. And I, I hope that this message helps. And I hope that this, is, this isn't too much. And if there's more that you want to hear, or if you want uh, Ethan or I or anybody else to elaborate on this, you know, you know, let us know and we will do the best that we can. All right, well, I'm going to do a real quick wrap-up here to make sure that we're all finished out and get you guys on your way. And uh, do stay tuned because next week I've got another – we're going to sit down uh, with Dane and Andrew and hopefully Todd, and we're going to go over some – some interesting uh, follow-up points from our last podcast uh, called Contemplating Our Existence. And I'm uh, really, really looking forward to that one. So stay tuned for another couple of weeks here because we're going to get that out. And I, I really think you guys are going to like that. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. I can't tell you how much it means to me. Uh, the best thing we can do right now is to leave the show a five-star review. So please go out and do that. You have no idea how much that helps. Uh, get things bumped up in the rankings and get it out to new people. And obviously, uh, if, if you're enjoying this, you know, share it with some people, especially this one where I really hope that this helps some people. So please 
share this one and get this one out there to your friends and hopefully get them listening and hopefully they can take something that uh, we were dealing with, you know, Ethan and myself and and maybe relate it to their lives and hopefully it'll help them get through maybe what might be a tough point or just realize that, hey, other people do care and I should go talk to my friends or maybe I should get some professional help. That, That could be a great thing. And if you do have any other questions or you do want us to elaborate on the things we've talked about today, please feel free to let us know. You can go to uncensoredhumanity.com and you can leave us a, uh, or you can fill out the contact us form or you can send us an email at uncensoredhumanitypodcast at gmail.com. Send us those and we will get to those as soon as we can. All right. Uh, this is quite long enough. So please, or thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. And uh, we will see you guys next time on Uncensored Humanity.